Tune in to the Neil Prendeville Show weekdays from 9 a.m. on Cork's Red FM. Talking about weather and forecasting. Morning, David. He sent me a, a little note in the post there. Saying, sorry, an email saying, here in North Cork, there are wasps everywhere. I have found the perfect solution, though. Half a bottle of beer. I guess the wasps literally climb into the half a bottle of beer and they die happy. Yeah, um, wasps versus bees. They tell me that both actually are uh, needed. I can never understand why a wasp or a blue bottle was needed. Pesky things. Bees for sure. But I imagine it could be related to the lovely weather we're having. Or maybe it's just wasp season. Anyway, text 0868104106 uh, on that one. Um, front page of the mail this morning. Irish citizens evacuated from Kabul were actually on the tarmac waiting for their flight to depart. Two suicide bombers killed and injured dozens at the airport gates. Now, uh, Biden is saying if needs be, they will send U.S. troops back in again. Uh, But at least 60 people, including 12 U.S. soldiers, feared dead last night after the suspected ISIS terror attack at the airport. So the crisis continues there. That's the big international story on the front of uh, the mail this morning. Interestingly, yesterday I was talking about St. Catherine's Psychiatric Unit in St. Finbar's and... um, uh, some worries and criticism about conditions there and how patients are being treated and looked after, lack of staff, and maybe not all of the staff have the skill sets needed to be working in St. Catherine's Psychiatric Unit. Uh, this morning we heard of Tusla issues where there was a risk-based assessment by HICWA of Tusla, parts of Tusla Cork. It's a story that makes the front and inside pages of the Echo, and it found the service was found to be majorly non-compliant. non-compliant. Uh, inspectors found management cases awaiting allocation to be poor. They found that um, assessment of the you know um, duty of intake and care of um, clients, I suppose, lacked clear direction. And again, similar to St. Catherine's Psychiatric Unit, I wonder, has it a lot to do with the shortage of staff in areas? And to be fair to the social work teams, Uh, It was found that in many of the cases, social workers had high caseloads from 30 to 65 cases allocated to them. In one office, two social workers had 64 and 65 live allocated cases. So again, back to staffing issues. And if you haven't got the staff and you haven't got enough of them, of course, it leads to cracks in the system. Electric Picnic makes the papers as well because uh, actually one of the stories is that Derry has offered to open its doors. If Electric Picnic bosses can't get the festival on south of the border, Derry have offered to host the gig. Now, um, Catherine Martin, the Arts Minister, um, is doing her best to see if she can get it across the line. Like Leash County Council won't do it and they're not going to reverse their decision. So imagine that. Why would it be a big problem not to just to find another county uh, to host Electric Picnic? I mean, talk about the boom it would be to the economy. I know for that county, but I know people will say that it is more to do with numbers gathering and, uh, you know, these are the reasons, I suppose, trying to keep people healthy. But uh, what we do know now, according to the papers this morning, is that 90% of over 16s will have to be jabbed before uh, you see any huge amount of, uh, well, I suppose before you see any goodbye to all of the remaining restrictions. Um, 90% of over 16s must get to the jab to ease the restrictions. The saying, and Roy Keane makes many of the papers this morning. Um, in fact, he's the front page in a couple of the red tops this morning. Roy, I regret lies over my boozing. 
he says he has guilt at uh, lying to Alex Ferguson at about his 5 a.m. drinking sessions. Um, he says in this morning's, I think this is the mirror, uh, Roy Keane admitted yesterday he could drink up to 11 bottles of booze an hour on nights out when playing at Man United. Um, 11 bottles of booze an hour. Uh, I thought I had to go out and drink as much alcohol as I possibly could. He also admitted falling out with Ireland players and slammed the FAI for Mick McCarthy's appointment. So it was a very open and frank uh, interview with him by all accounts where he uh, didn't hold back. And uh, first time, you have to admire his honesty of that, you can be sure. And then um, more and more people contacting the Society of the Vincent Vincent de Paul um, as they head back into the return to school uh, period. I mean, some primary schools went back yesterday and more today, but the vast majority, of course, next week. But cash-strapped parents are contacting the charity. They're getting more than 1,500 calls uh, last week as they struggle with back-to-school costs. 1,500 a week. And that's an increase year on year. And, you know, those that are using the services of Vincent of Paul or Penny Dinners only does one thing every year. Goes up time after time after time. Um, It's it's very interesting because uh, Ian Bailey seems to be doing an awful lot of talking uh, these days and wants to be on the Late Late Show and um, you know, once if there's going to be a show on Sophie Tuscan de Plantier's uh, murder and family, I mean, is he saying that if there's a family member of Sophie Tuscan de Plantier on the panel, that he also wants to be on the panel? <sighs> I, I, I don't know. Um, but I do know that um, Macron was in Dublin yesterday, and apparently at one stage Macron decided he wanted to walk. So instead of taking uh, four-wheeled transport, he decided he wanted to walk. Uh, what did that cause? Absolute traffic chaos in Dublin because everything had to be stopped. All sorts of security had to kick in. Buses and cars and lorries and trucks were all held up because Macron wanted to walk yesterday. But Macron is, Emmanuel Macron is talking, of course, about a new trial that could be arranged for Ian Bailey if he would go to France. Now, um, in fairness, straight away, uh, Frank Bottomer came out and said, that's a non-starter. That's just not going to happen. Uh, the French saying, well, we had one trial, found him guilty. But if you like, we can have another one. We'll find him guilty again, I suppose. Um, the, 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 uh, the monk makes many of the papers because Jumbo Carnes went out to Fungarola and actually sat in the restaurant chair in the eatery where the monk was actually arrested. And the story makes the mirror today with inside page and front page photographs. But interestingly, apparently people in Fungarola call um, the monk uh, Mr. Bean. Uh, Sorry, call Hutch Mr. Bean. Um, Which which is kind of interesting because if you look at photographs of the two of them, the monk does look like Mr. Bean. (laughs) And apparently now Irish people are flocking to get photos at the Costa restaurant where the monk was arrested. I mean, there's a lot. And I guess these are people who are out there on holidays just getting a selfie with the table. Papers also this morning talk of the fact that um, girls, young girls, for the first time, can now go to school in the North Monastery because boys and girls can have now, now have a North Mon education. And it's a lovely story making the inside pages of the Echo today. And a story that I dealt with about uh, two weeks ago was the amount of people who are now returning pets that they don't want. They got them during lockdown. And the love... And the whole novel, the novelty of it just wore off. And now Dogs Trust Ireland says there's been a huge spike in the number of people looking to give up their dogs as we move out of lockdown. I suppose with kids going back to school and maybe people going back to work and not working so much from home, 
They just don't have the time nor the inclination or in some cases the love of wanting to keep on to the, on to the doggy. It's an interesting one overseas, actually. One of the red tops, um, it's the mirror, talks about the family of a man who was killed in the 9-11 terror attack. They want a new inquest into the death of Jeff Campbell. They don't believe that the two airplanes that crashed into the World Trade Center in 2001 and in another few weeks will be coming up to the 20th anniversary. His family um, believe, and they say they have a scientific team, claiming that the towers were laced with explosives. And when the planes crashed into the towers, it wasn't the planes that brought them down. It was the fact that the towers were laced with explosives. Uh, So an inside job, they're saying. And you know how yesterday was telling you that apparently Greek men are best in the lovemaking department. They are uh, the world leaders when it comes to uh, the sexual exploits. Um, And this morning, another newspaper picks up and they're saying, if you want to be like Greek men and have the Greek sexual prowess, then you need to eat a Mediterranean diet, which is lots of fish, um, virgin, extra virgin olive oil, oysters, bananas, watermelons, honey, fenugreek, prawns, any kind of fish, basil, tomatoes, asparagus, saffron, figs, pomegranates, ginger and crab meat. That's the solution uh, to our, I suppose that is the way to um, turn yourself into a Greek god. Now, one great thing about it is chocolate is also included. Chocolate is also included. But where's all the meat? It's fish, apparently, the way for Fish and chocolate. And thank you to Pat, who got in touch, saying further to your fish finger sambo, this is not on the Mediterranean diet, guys. Here's one that I particularly love. Uh, I don't know whether it'll turn you into a, a sex machine, but bread and butter with a light coating of barbecue sauce Potato salad, then fish fingers, topped with the other side of the bread, buttered and ketchuped. So that's an interesting one. So you have the bread and the butter. On one side of the slice, buttered um, and then barbecue sauced. On the other side of the slice, buttered and ketchuped. And in the middle, potato salad and fish fingers. I'm not so sure about the barbecue sauce, to be honest with you, Pat, but... I'll give it a go. The Neil Prenderville Show. Then I got another lovely one actually sent to me, which is um, a photograph of a very old menu from way back in the day. Uh, and Fionn was saying, a friend sent me the Gresham Hotel restaurant menu from 1972. Um, and he says, I'll have the prawn cocktail followed by the Gresham grill. And then I'll have the sherry trifle. The 1972 menu cost was £1.27. And in the 70s, everyone was eating prawn cocktails and everyone was eating the mixed grill, which is like a big fry, except you throw in a couple of, uh, you know, cutlets or a bit of kidney alongside the bacon and the eggs and the sausage. But it's a great menu. The Gresham grill, the mixed grill, the grilled sirloin steak, the grilled minute steak, the pork cutlet, the grilled lamb chop. Are you getting it? Everything in the 70s was grilled. I'd love to know, are there any Cork restaurants menus knocking around from way back in the day, maybe the 50s, 60s and 70s? You get a real idea as to what people were eating back at the time. But 1972, the desserts. Sherry trifle, plain or strawberry ice cream, apple, pl- apple pie, meringue, and the old favourite, fruit salad and cream. Oh, lovely, jubbly. Bring all those back. Happy days. Or the Knickerbocker glory. What would you be doing without the Knickerbocker glory? Great fun yesterday. Uh, talking about, um, you know, famous people that we met. 
you guys met, whether it was here in Cork. It all started, I started originally with Tom Cruise over in Birmingham. And then a great call yesterday with Tricia and how she and her grandson met Jonathan Reese Myers. Um, I think it was at Limerick Junction, heading back to Cork. Jonathan is at, heading back to Cork. I think he's here at the moment, actually, on holidays for a few weeks. So good luck to him. And then, of course, we had many, many people who met lots of different famous people uh, in the recent past and the not so recent past. So let me get through some more of those. So Free Fight Fruit Friday as well. I'll tell you about that a little later on. A free Fruit Friday for Oak Fire Pizza. But to the phone lines we go uh, and chat to some more people. Actually, Mark, good morning. Good start, because this happened uh, in Formoy, wasn't it? Mark uh, met Anton Deck, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There um, was, there, aren't, isn't there, don't one of them have a core connection, don't they? I think there was relations near enough um, where I met them. They, they met them afterwards, I, I, I saw. And Which one of them, though, has, has relations in North Cork? I thought it was Dick. Okay, good man yourself. Okay, yeah. so what were you doing? You were, you're a delivery driver, are you to drive for a living? Yeah, I was, I was driving for a delivery company, yeah. um, and I I was doing deliveries, and it was the start of a commercial park where they were. Um, <clears throat> I pulled in, and um, Ant was out on the road, and I'm looking in, and I thought I knew him, so I saluted him, you know, I just knew the face, and I pulled in, just after, so I, I realised who it was, like, and, I, and I reversed back, and <laughs> the two of them were there, and there was a load of people buzzing around them, like they were... I, I, they were getting fed up. They were only just after arriving when I when I called up. They were getting fed up of the attention, is it? No, they were getting fed up. They were, they oh, were set up. up. I thought you said like, fed yeah, up. Just arrived. They just got out of a kind of a black Mercedes, kind of a minibus, limousine kind of a job, and um, they were just kind of getting set up in there. But I, I, I jumped out and asked them for a picture, and there was no bother. So I jumped in for the picture, and I just asked what they were doing there. And they said that they were doing a show about heritage, their Irish heritage. That's what they were doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, That's what they yeah. were doing, yeah. And nice yeah. guys, like real down-to-earth, yeah, regular guys. Yeah, there was a lot of them, yeah. Just, there, was, there was no problem. I asked for a picture, they jumped in for a picture. And I just asked what they were doing, they told me what they were doing, and I left them at it. And I, I didn't, you know... It's it's weird actually when that happens. You 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 recognize someone and you don't know why you recognize him. You probably thought that Ant and Deck were buddies of yours from back in the day. I, I just it was when I saw him on the road and I, I just I knew his face and I, I gave a salute and then I realized who it was. I pulled in and I went back and Gary didn't know. I went back and these pictures and like and you have the pic. Yeah, yeah. I'm asking everybody that gets in touch actually and tells stories to share the pics with us if they have them because people would love to see those kind of pictures, you know. So if you want to do yeah, that, it would be great. Page, yeah. yeah, and you, well, Kerry Katona and Brian McFadden at the same oh, time. Years ago, yeah. 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 Years ago, we were coming back from the United match um, in Manchester Airport. It was an already kind of an early morning flight. So it was, it was me and I can't remember who was with me, but we were having a pint. It was early and uh, we, didn't, we had a drink for the flight and they were inside the. The departure lounge bar, like they were, and they were slashed. They were moles. <laughs> oh no! Right, we leave that there. Yeah. I know no, no smartphone or anything, but I got, I got, I got an autograph off him. <clears throat> it was from my sister. I think at the time I got, I got him to sign it for my sister. No bother, to you boy. You go right up to him. Not yeah. a bother in and the yeah, world. Yeah, I'm a Keith Duffy as well. Actually, out in the pub in Douglas as well. And yeah, him, he's, I, he's, I, he's I, he loves Cork. Keith. Yeah. yeah, he's always around Cork. Lovely guy. Very yeah. approachable individual, I have to say. Yeah, I rang him and I was there. Then I rang my sister when I was talking to him, and uh, he sang the piano man down the phone for. Oh no, I've met one of these people then who goes up to a celeb and asks them to go on the phone to his mammy or his brother or his oh, sister. My sister. Oh yeah, my god, do you mind if I call my mother? We talked to my yeah. huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he sang a song down the phone, did he? He sang piano man down the phone for yeah. Keith Duffy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But could you imagine that everybody? 
that meets Keith Duffy asks him to do that. How do you think well, he? Fe- imagine, uh, how do you think he might he feels about that? You never get anything done. You never get anything done. <laughs> Particularly if it's somebody comes up and the half they're half drunk themselves. Oh my God, my mother loves you or my sister loves you. So he sang the piano man. Um, Keno, you've met, have you? Oh, that was yeah, years, years, years ago. Outside the the Anglos in Ballincollig, outside Ballincollig. <laughs> Perfect. You drive for a living, yeah. so you see them everywhere. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh, yeah, yeah. And how'd you get on with Keane? Oh, I, I was very young. I can barely remember it. I think we were on the way to a match or something, and um, it wasn't a big deal at the time. But maybe after thinking back on it, it was like, you know? yeah, 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 yeah. Great story. <laughs> Piano man yeah. story down the phone is the winner. Yeah, that was the yeah. Yeah. All right, <laughs> all right, my man. Listen, super stuff. Any of those picks, if you want to send them on, that'd be great. Look after yourself. Bye Have bye. a good weekend. Cheers, Mark. Bye. Mary, good morning. Good morning, Neil. We're, go- we're going back now to the gorgeous Gale, Jack Doyle, of course. Oh, yes. Um, oh, yes. Where'd you meet him? I met him in in 1960 in Baker Street Tube Station. Now, what? Now, I'm worked, very interested as to what you were doing there at the time. I was working, I was only uh, about 21 at the time, Neil. I was working in bed, there was a restaurant, Cumbar in the tube station was called the Chilton Arms. The Chilton Arms at Baker Street the tube Ar- station. In Baker Street, yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And um, I I used to work in the bar one week and in the restaurant another week. So this particular night, I was in the bar around, around half eight and these three men walked in and there was one guy, oh my God, Neil, I was only 21. But he stood out. What a handsome man. Crumby over his shoulder and a buttonhole, you know. Yeah. And two men. Flower in the buttonhole, I suppose. Oh, the buttonhole. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, what a guy. What a How old would he have been at man. the time, the boxer, singer, actor? Um, to me, he looked around 45. Okay. Looking back now, you okay. know. And who was with him? I don't know. Two men. I don't know who they were. I don't know who they were. But to, they talk came, to, to talk to him? He came up to me and I asked him, oh, would you like to drink? And he asked for a pink gin. And I think the two men had, had a, a pint of beer. But um, the gorgeous girl wanted a pink gin, you know? Right. So I served him and he said, is that a cork accent I hear? <laughs> so I said, yes. Now, I had heard my parents talk about Jack Doyle, but I had never seen a photograph or anything from him, you know. And he was asking me how long I was walking there, and, you know, and I was just married at the time. So, during the night, my they didn't stay long, but while they were there, my manager just came up and she said to me, Mary, do you know who that man is? Mrs. Ingram, no, she was a Northern Ireland lady. She was old at the time. Yeah. So I said, I don't. She said, that's Jack Doyle. Said, I said, it's never, you know. So, um, oh gee, I was all, all a flutter then. So they had they had about two two drinks each, actually. And they went off and he gave me a fiver and a tip. In the 1960s he gave you a fiver? Yeah, that was a good tip at the time, Neil. Big time good yeah. tip at the time. It was a good tip, you know, but I will never forget what a handsome handsome guy and one of the one of the men with him he sounded Irish he was another big lad like but 
not as handsome at all as Jack Doyle. So you probably um, met him when he was at the at his prime, I suppose, you know? I would imagine, I would imagine, because he looked so well. And one of the men said to me, you know, he said, I think he, I think you look like Movincia. Sure, I hadn't a clue. It was later on in years. My mother had told me who this Movita was. She was very famous actress, and he married yeah, her for she, a period. They had a very tumultuous relationship. It was oh my goodness! It was it was a very I was very dark hair you see at the time. I'm grey now, but um, one of the guys had said that to me. Oh, I said yeah, sure, I hadn't an ocean who who Movita was. Yeah, my mother had told me later on. Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, he died. He died in nineteen seventy-eight, and of course, he had you know, oh, he, had, he had a very, very, and he had a very tough end in London, living in a small flat on his yes. own and very down yeah, and out and hear, broke. I used to hear about him on the news, you know. Yeah, the sad, but what a handsome man he was. Yeah, oh, yeah, the gorgeous. Day. They really were. Yeah. The, they, they really were the star couple back then, the two of them, himself and oh, Movita. I can imagine. They really were. I never yeah. saw her or saw a photograph of Movita either, you know. But, um, oh, he'd take your eye, Neil. He'd stand out in a crowd, you know. He I know. Was, oh, yeah. he was beautiful. He was handsome. How, he long, really did you, was. how did, long did you work in that bar, restaurant? Gosh, I worked there about five or six years and then I had a baby and um, I gave it up then and my parents then and my husband's parents. Oh, there was loads of work here and we came back to Ireland. Yeah. And I never regretted it, really. Yeah. And the years that you, you know. spent working in that bar restaurant, that would have been people coming in and out. Like, mm-hmm. what, what would they be doing in the tube state? They wouldn't come in there to eat, would they? Was, like, was that... Um, no, uh, they'd come in uh, mostly after work. They might be changing tubes or something, going home from work, you know? Yeah. Would you chat with them? And, um, I mean, people from all oh, walks gosh, of life? Yes. Oh, you would, I used to get a lot of businessmen, yeah. you know, with their briefcases and stuff coming in, you know. Yeah. Um, I really loved it, you know. I used to love that kind of work, meeting people. Meeting people, you know, chatting because, with people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, because when I went to work in London first, I worked in the um, Smith Clock Factory. They used to do the, the little things for the cars. You're empty and you're full, you know, the, for your, your, your fuel, you know. All right. Yeah, oh, the most boring job. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, well, I, I went, I went from there then to the Chilton Arms. Well, I think if it. you like people or like chatting with people, a great place to work I is do. behind the behind the bar of a busy pub. Oh God, yes, yeah, yeah it was lovely, and without it was a doubt. nice restaurant as well. You know, I know, I know. Um, it was lovely, and we we used to get a lot of everybody. You know, all different walks of life. They'd be changing tubes at the station. You know, an awful shame. And, of course, uh, there was no camera knocking around on that day when no, the gorgeous girl came stage. in. No, not that No, no. Oh, Different no. now. You'd oh. have whipped out the mobile phone, got a selfie with oh, them. I would. I'd have got a selfie. I know. Oh, but like, I, you know, it was a kind of a quiet time in the evening. And those three men, oh, he stood out. And, you know, I was I was only 21. But I thought, oh, my God, what a handsome man. I know. Oh, he was Neil. He was. I know. And, and of course, yeah. Cork people overseas pick up on the Cork accent. It's almost magnetic. Oh, he, yeah, that's what he said. Is that a Cork accent? Um. I said yes, so he ever asked me what part of Cork did I come from, and I was telling him, and then it was Mrs. Ingram, 
told me who he was, you know. All right, lovely, lovely That's memory. All, the gorgeous girl, a lovely, lovely memory. Man. Okay, and thanks, Mary. Fiber. I had that fiber for years, Neil. <laughs> you didn't spend I, it. I, I, ne- I never spent it, and we moved out, and I don't know, I had it in a little, a little box in my cabinet, and I, I don't know what. Maybe someday when somebody, I money, I might have it. Somebody spent it. It's, a, it's, 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 a shame, it's a shame he didn't sign it for you, you know? Exactly. Lovely story, Mary. Thank you so much and for taking the time. All the best. You. Back bye after bye. the break. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can text 0868104106, particularly if you'd like to win some of our free Food Friday pizza, courtesy of ourselves and Oak Fire Pizza. So we'll have three winners again this morning, four pizzas each. Your opportunity then to uh, share the pizzas with your family or your friends or whomever. We'll also give a couple of sides. There's also some mini, like mini cheesecake tasters and all the cutlery and cups and stuff you need to go with it. So text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and then you can pick up the pizza at Princess Street, Clonakilty, Bandon uh, or Douglas. Okay, so text who you are and where you are to 086-8104-106 and we'll do those shout-outs and start them in about 15 minutes' time. So off you go, 086-8104-106. Meanwhile, just uh, just staying with this uh, for another little while, um, and a lot of other people then, of course, met very, very famous people, including Muhammad Ali. Um, in actual fact, Phil bought, um, had the monk, or as they call now, Mr. Bean, buy her a drink in a bar um, in Fungarola, and that's quite interesting. I'll chat with her in a few minutes. But yesterday, I read out some of the texts, and one of them was a text from Andrea. Andrea, good morning. Morning, Neil. How so, are you? I'm good. So you were the one, you're the girl who was working in a sandwich bar, was it? Where, where was this here or overseas or where? Uh, no, so it was in the, you know, the Matter Private Hospitals. The Matter Private in Mahan? Yeah, so oh. the, the cafe there basically is where I was working. Um, and like, because of the, it's a business park as well. So okay. like all the kind of companies out there would come in for their lunch, but like there'd be a huge rush at about 12 o'clock. I mean, the queue now would be, Oh, the door. I know it. It's not actually the hospital. It's in the the plaza area there, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Um, and sure, we were working away then one day, and like you know, the window, you wouldn't even be taking much notice of what's going on around you because you're just so busy, just trying to get everyone served. And uh, I just looked up, and whatever way I looked, I said, "No, I'm imagining this." And <laughs> I looked down, and I was like, "To one of the girls, is that Graham Norton? It hardly is." And. Uh, <laughs> I looked again and it was him like just standing in the queue with every ordinary Joe Soap you could imagine next <laughs> to him and uh, just you know happy out like waiting and he just queued up and my manager then was kind of coming over going just go down and uh, ask him what he wants and I was kind of saying well like he's standing in the queue just leave him, leave him. obviously he wants to keep a low profile if we go down She wanted him. you to go down so that he yeah. could order and jump the queue against the other misfortunes ahead of him yeah, what? exactly. I know. And I said, no, anyway. I said, look, just leave him queue up. He'd be grand. Um, so <laughs> he got to the front of the queue anyway. And I was kind of there to myself, what they say? Oh, will I just kind of act normal? Or will I kind of ask some questions? And then I was saying to myself, just act normal. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> I just sort of gave away. And uh, one of the sandwiches that we had was a ham and twist. 
um, which is basically a ham and cheese toasty. Um, they just try to make its own pot by calling it a ham and cheese. So, <laughs> so uh, <laughs> that's what he ordered anyway. Um, and I think no onion. So, uh, yeah, if I can remember correctly. And you never said, Hi, Graham, how are you? What can I get you? Uh, no, no, I was just kind of like, you know what, no, just pretend that you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Do you regret that now in hindsight, though? Uh, no, because I remember afterwards, uh, one of the, the nurses that worked there actually said that his mother was in. So I was kind of saying, look, he's obviously here for personal reasons. I don't, and yeah. like, we obviously didn't know, was, was the mother very sick or anything like that? Yeah, so yeah. Um, I didn't want to be bothering him with kind of like, oh, selfies or anything like that. So, <laughs> um, but looking back now, I'm kind of like, oh, I wish I, I wish I said something or I wish I took a picture with him. Did he get anything like else that, besides no. the Sambo? Like, do you get coffee, um, tea, do you get a Coke? Um. Yeah, he got an Americano. A black coffee. <laughs> <laughs> You're shame to fame. So no selfie with him, but you did give him a che- ham and cheese toasty. Yeah, and he just paid as normal like everyone else. He there would have no been mortified, either. incidentally, if you'd asked, asked him what he wanted. Because nobody likes a queue jumper, nor does he. I know, you know, and like my manager at the time, I was like, no, no, go down, no, let him down. And I was like, no, no, he's obviously queuing up if no, he wants to. you wouldn't want any special he... service like that, no. I did, a, I did yeah. an interview uh, with Graham Norton in the Metropole some years back. Um, it was one of those television ones that I did. And lovely guy, actually, really approachable guy. But after it was over, uh, he put on a, a, a big um, puffer jacket, you know, the ones, the big puffy ones um, oh, put, a, put, yeah. a, put a scarf around his neck and put on um, a baseball hat down low uh, We and we walked out and uh, I went left up McCurtain Street and he turned right he was going for a walk around the city in the dark it was about 8 o'clock at night maybe half past 7 and honest to God I saw him going across one of the bridges later on and only because I knew it was him I would ne- you would never have known yeah no he was lovely I'm not saying it was a disguise it was obviously the, for the cold but you wouldn't have known him. Yeah, he was tiny. I, I like that was the first thing that stood out to me when I saw him. Like, like I'm not saying he looked huge on television, but yeah, um, yeah. he was absolutely tiny. Like um, in real life, very very small man. Um, did you get, a, did you get any anyway. sense of energy coming off him? Like, uh, like, did you get any um, a kind of good vibe? I got a good vibe off him. Yeah, like he was so, he was very much himself. Like, I, I don't think like he puts on a, well, I suppose he must put on some, some kind of an act for his show. But um, when I spoke to him, he was very much like, like what you see is what you get with him. You know, there yeah. was no kind of, um, oh, look at me or anything. Nah, like that. Nah, he, he as we say in Cork, normal. he's just sound. He's just sound. He really is. Yeah. <laughs> okay. The ham and cheese toasty. Well done, Andrea. Lovely story. Thanks for that. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Cheers, God. Take Bye. care. Party, Deneen. Morning. Morning, Ian. How are you? I'm very well, Councillor. Um, so you were driving in your motor car. Um, where and what happened? I was driving to Glengariff. I was on my way down to Glengariff on an invitation of my friend to play in the Maureen O'Hara Golf Classic. Right. Way back in 1999, this was. And on my way into Glengariff, I was heading... Do you, know, you ever drive that road, Neil? Often, yeah. I was down in the Echoes a couple of times, yeah. yeah. It was absolutely bucketing down, torrential rain. And there was a figure on the road throwing a lift. <laughs> so I stopped and gave the person a lift. And it was Maureen O'Hara. <laughs> coming a lift. Coming a lift. Would you believe it? <laughs> did, you, did you chat with her? I mean, what, yeah. when did you cop it was her? <laughs> she said it. Well, 
she got into the car and I asked her where was she going to obviously going to Glengariff so I said right I saw him I said I'll drop you in and we were chatting and she asked me why was I coming down to down to Glengariff and I said I'm actually coming down to play golf I said I'm playing in the golf links playing in the Maureen O'Hara golf classic it's on tomorrow and Sunday well she goes that's right she says, she says that's my classic I'm Maureen O'Hara <laughs> she pulled down her hood and it was Maureen O'Hara <laughs> an absolutely wonderful moment they have to say no, really 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 <laughs> I was just totally eyes, surprised. Eyes on the wheel, please. Eyes on the wheel. Eyes yeah. on the road. <laughs> so I, I, so I dropped it to her chosen location, and then I went went off to the, the the my hotel and whatever, and went off and played the golf. And on the Sunday, in the in the golf club in the in the clubhouse, I was at the bar, and she comes in, and she came over to me, and she goes, "Well, how are you?" She says, "Would you would you join me for a drink?" And we sat down, and we had a, a couple of drinks. We had a chat for at least an hour and a half. And it was actually a wonderful, wonderful time. What's your chat about? Beautiful. Everything and anything. Where I was from, she was telling me about her, where she living down here, like telling her where I was from, what I was doing, what I, you know, what I worked at, and oh, just general, general small talk. She talk about the movies? She talk about Hollywood? She talk about uh, Quiet Man? Stuff no, like no, that. just about Glen Gareth itself and how, how she loved living down Glen Gareth. And so just a general, general chat small chat you know just general banter yeah for hour, hour, hour and a half two hours maybe and then the presentation went on I actually won a prize <laughs> as well as it happened at the time and uh, and then off she went on to Mary Wade and that was just amazing like, it, was great, great, it was a great time yeah. was it really that long like an hour or two you're saying oh yes it was we were sure there for a, a good few hours yeah Amazing, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing yeah, that you yeah. would literally just pick up Maureen O'Hara thumbing a lift on the side of the road. A lift I'm not saying that she should have a limo or a chauffeur or anything, but, you know. Yeah. Uh, I, no, I, I say she was, I say it's probably a walk she would do a probably walk, yeah. every couple of days. Yeah. Visiting someone and just, just, just the heavens opened and she got caught. She yeah. got caught in the rain while having she her constitutional. Caught, yeah. I know she what you're caught. saying. She's yeah. a very interesting story, Maureen O'Hara. I read an interview there with her some years back where she was saying that way back in the day, in all of the movies she was making, she was on a flat wage, um, which was just a salary. The, the, she wasn't making the kind of money that they'd be making now. In fact, when she was doing movies alongside the likes of John Wayne, um, she was making nowhere near that kind of money. She was contracted to the studio. She was paid a weekly wage. They did the films and moved on. It was a very different life yeah, back then. Different, different, different world, yeah. You've seen the film quite man. Did you visit Kong or anything like that? No? No, no. no. It's, worth, it's worth a visit, actually. Really is. Yeah, I will do. I will do because we're doing the staycation at the moment. So I, I will. I will. I will keep that in mind. Without doubt. All right. I hear but you're up to. I hear you're up to ninety with the schools back this morning. Were you on a school run? Oh, I sat at a school run this morning. Yeah, seven o'clock. Where we went? <laughs> What's yeah, it like? Everyone was allergic. <laughs> Even me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. <laughs> yeah. Cheers, party. Take so, care. Summer's over. Where the weather must be good. Well. Yeah, oh, absolutely! Great, Schools are back. Moment in time, I always, I always remember. And I'm at home, and I see the trophy or the prize that I won. It's a glass crystal clock, and look at it. And I always remember that moment when I met Maureen O'Hara. No, no, fabulous, did, did, not just that you met her, lady. but the, the, yeah, lady, total yeah. lady, absolutely yeah. lovely, lovely person. God rest her. Thanks for that party, Maureen O'Hara. Thumb and a lift uh, down Glengariff Way. Uh, lines are open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Particularly if you also are allergic to schools being back, it's very unfair, isn't it? Schools are back, and what happens? Sun comes back out again. Ain't that always the way? Uh, lines open at one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Just one quick one, then we'll take a break. Uh, Annette, good morning. 
Hi, Neil. How are you? And I'm here. And this is a, a story from on Lee side. Uh, it is. With it is. were you working in the Imperial or ha- were you in no, there? No, I had had a meal with my husband. It was my husband Neil. We had been celebrating our first wedding anniversary in the Nin- restaurant in the Imperial Hotel. Nineteen eighty-five. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. Sorry, nineteen. Yes, nineteen eighty-five. That would have been our second wedding anniversary, and we were coming out the foyer of the hotel, and Chris Christopherson was jogging <laughs> back in. He'd been jogging around the city with his daughter. <laughs> and I just was totally gobsmacked when I saw him. I couldn't even speak because he stopped because my husband knew he was one of my idols. He'd been in The Star is Born, that film, if you can remember. I do, with Barbara Streisand, yeah. Never never saw yeah. it, but a good film, I'd say. Oh, I used to love that. So is it I a kind so of lovey-dovey, smushy one? It was lovely, though. But he was a big rock star at the time. But he looked, he was just, she was in sweating at the time. I didn't care. I just looked up at him, couldn't say a word. So my husband very quickly grabbed a menu or something, a flyer from the reception in the Imperial and just said, look, could you just give her your autograph, please? So he said to Neil and Annette, happy anniversary. I was floored looking at him. I couldn't believe it. I just couldn't speak. So I can understand that. So you had no conversation um, or anything? He just smiled, signed it and off you he went? Just, oh, yeah. He just said, hi, Neil, hi, Annette. He just said, look, and so Neil just grabbed that and he wrote to Neil and Annette, happy anniversary. And I cannot find that autograph anywhere I'd love to be able to find it it's somewhere in the house but where I don't know that's the fucking problem isn't it yeah and yeah. was he would have been playing Fela maybe he would have been playing or? probably that time yeah in 1985 I know for a fact it was 1985 but um, I was just totally gobsmacked for someone who never shuts up talking I just could not handsome man handsome man yeah. sweating all now even though he was jogging in and he had the rock star geared him he still had that or about him. You see, incredible so, talent, you see. Not only could he sing, play guitar yeah. brilliantly, but a superb actor. Yeah. I, I never saw A Star is Born, um, but I did see I did see him do, uh, didn't he, wasn't he in the movie about um, Billy the Kid? With, uh, I think Dylan also was in the film, if I remember correctly. He would have been, he would have been, I'd say, yeah. You should watch A Star is Born out that way. No, nah, it's, it's, if it's a love story, I... Although I shouldn't, no, I shouldn't say that actually. I, I, no, you should go and watch that now and you will really, I think you will like it. I liked it. No, is the, the front page photograph, it is a, he's, he's, he's got Streisand in his arms and they're passionately kissing. Ah, but I just say, move on. And the story, that's, a bit, that's in it. But, um, so that was, a, that's a lovely memory. What was that other film there that was out recently? It was very much the same, musician fell in love with a girl, real soppy one. Which one was that? I don't know. It was about four or five years ago. Um, Lady Gaga was in it, wasn't she? Oh, that was another star. That was a remake of Star is Born, was it? No? It was the same idea, was it? I haven't seen the new Star is Born because the old Star is Born is one for me. Yeah. Although, having said that, isn't Dr. Zhivago is a bit of a love story. I love that. Yeah. Well, you will like the Star is Born because it's just so... Back then in the 70s, like, he was just... To me, he was just a handsome man and a rock star, and you know. I'm told by li- I'm told by little birdie that you'd have done very well up on the stage with Christopherson yourself. I hear you're a great singer. I oh, I was a good singer. All right, <laughs> I can give an old blast every song again. All right. Yeah, I, I, I hear say, tell I hear tell uh, that you do a good rendition of um, Kate Butts Bush's Wuthering Heights. Is that right? Who's been speaking to you? Yeah, uh, I I have people everywhere. Have you? I have. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I do sing a good Kate Bush, all right? Even my grandkids know they're, 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 they
can't reveal my I can't reveal my sources. People do two people do relate that song to me or even the hair cape bush. <clears throat> but, um, the high notes and everything. Hmm? Oh the hard it's hard to hit the high notes now, but I did hit them when I went to the karaoke. See you know, I, when it was on there twenty years ago, you see, karaoke competitions. I don't believe you. Oh, oh well I'm not gonna give you a blast now, Neil, not at this time in the morning, no. Some other time now. No, no, no. I'll stay here all morning until you give me a verse of Wuthering Heights. Oh, no. I don't think I can do that. I think you will. Well, I want something if I do. Uh, I'll give you a pizza. Right. I'll just do one, so, okay? Do you, do you want to... Hang, hang on a second. Hang on a second. I'll come back after the break and you can warm up, all right? Oh, I don't know. I, I won't guarantee that now. If, if, if you only give me a line, I'll only give you a slice of pizza. I want a verse of it. Oh, okay. Heathcliff, it's me, I'm right, Back after the break, we'll do it then. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 1851-04106. Red FM. Right, did you do a bit of gargling there? A sup of warm tea or something? Neil, you've put me in the spot here now. This might sound now bad. But look, I'll give you a blast. All right, your own time, girl. I know you'll do us proud. Kate I'm Bush. Wigging him all, sweet reveling, falling green. You had a temper like my jealousy, too hot, too greedy. How could you leave me when I needed to possess you? I hated you, I loved you too. Bad dreams in the night told me I was going to lose the fight. Hit me once in my weathering, weathering, weathering high tea It's me, a copy, a come home, I'm so cold. Let be your window, it's please. It's me, a copy, a come home, I'm so cold. Oh, it gets dark, it gets lonely on the other side of you. I find the lot, I find the lot, both true without you. I'm coming back now, crew heat please. My only, my only mascot. Too long I roam in the night. I'm going back to find the goodbyes. I'm coming home to my weathering, weathering, weathering high speed. <laughs> it's me, a Kathy, a common Ooh, what do you think of that? I think it's absolutely <laughs> fantastic. Oh my god, fantastic! I, <laughs> I love it! Thank you. You're a superstar! <laughs> Pizza for you, blown away! Annette, you're a superstar. You really and truly are. Kate Bush would be proud of that version. Liam, just quickly, Liam. Hello, Neil. How are you? Just wanted to say. That woman should get a year, a year supply. Pizza for life. Why? Pizza for life. <laughs> I have never in my life understood the words that one was on about until about five minutes ago. I was saying, oh, that makes sense. No. I was, I was skating. I was skating down in the arcade years and years ago. Oh, God, oh, Jesus, here she comes again. Anyway, she should get a year supply, a life supply of pizza. Thank that woman so much. Uh, like, for the first know. time in 50 years you understand the words of Wuthering Heights yes, really. <laughs> class is right thanks a lot my man back after 10
Hi, it's Connor. Join me Sunday from 7 for Green on Red, bringing you the biggest, the best, and newest names in Irish music. You're listening to the Emerald Award winning music station of the year, Cork's Red FM. Morning, all free food Friday shout outs. Three winners again this morning. Uh, you will receive uh, pizzas uh, for you and all your mates and some sides as well. So keep those free food Friday shout outs coming, courtesy of ourselves in Oak Fire Pizza. Morning to Ailish in Mitchellstown, 17 months W. FH working away listening to the dog snoring at my feet love the show keeps me sane morning to all of the staff at Anglesey Street Garda Station TK Max and Douglas hi Lorcan hi Preston Cork Flower Studio on Douglas Street would love some pizza they make amazing they are amazing florists um, Val Walsh living in Kent Road amazing person at home and is very good to my mum I'd be delighted if she won for my special friend uh, to Bar One Racing the betting office on Evergreen Road and Turners Cross simply the best and working really hard Feelings Pharmacy and Blackrock Hall are on board this morning. Tesco Paul Street, O'Donovan Life Pharmacy in Balafihan, O'Donovan Auto Services in Upper Glanmire. Valerie Hogan in the Glen. Uh, it's her son's 13th birthday today and he's starting first year as well. It would be a great treat. Barters, Old Market uh, in Bandon. That's Barters Travel Net. Uh, Liam and the gang are on Post in Cove. Deserved. He's a great man. Never misses a day. Uh, Dee Donnelly in Carrigaline. She's just out of hospital. And her husband is running the ship at home with the kids. Uh, free Food Friday for everybody at Guys and Dolls in South Main Street. That's a hair salon, isn't it? They've been around for a long, 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 long time, Guys and Dolls. Um, and also, they said, if there's too much, we'll share with Susan Ryan next door. So keep those texts coming. Text who you are and where you are to 0868104106. Three winners, four pizzas with sides each. We'll send you the vouchers and you can reclaim then at Douglas, the East Village, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gill Abbey Street. So get texting on those and we'll do some more shout outs. Lots of texts on different topics of conversation over the past few days. And with regards to the reporting from the South and from the, from St. Finbars yesterday uh, on our mental health services there, our mental health services are no better now than they were in the 1960s. Investigate from the top down. These reports are just not good enough. That's a government issue, not a staff issue with regards to the criticism of our services. Locking the bedrooms by day would most likely mean they could make sure all those in the service were within their view. Impossible to make sure everyone is safe if they're short-staffed and people are in their bedrooms. Doesn't that doesn't make the practice right, but the article you read out doesn't give the explanation as to why it was happening in the first place, says Ian. Well, I want to be fair, as fair as I can to the staff involved, and if it's a skills issue and a staff shortage, I mean, I have said that on a number of occasions. The whole mental health system needs a major overhaul. It's a complete shambles, starting with the hospitals. They're nothing more than prisons now for people with mental illness, uh, says Joe. And then to the awful attack on her daughter. Um, I had the same, this is from yesterday's program, chatting with the man. I had the same thing a few weeks back. The community guard was lovely. My kids were attacked in the park. Luckily, luckily enough for me, the guard happened to be in the park when I went looking for my kids. He was lovely, very polite. It's happening all the time, kids attacking kids, more and more. I asked him to have a quiet word. There were three, three of my kids together. I had a lump and an ache in my heart. When I got the call, I ran the road only to not find my kids and made me worse when I finally found them. Uh, we only moved to this area. It was an awful experience. Uh, the poor child, if the guards aren't, are going to do nothing, then you should contact Tusla and have the family investigated. Then I would get on to my lawyer and take a civil action in the courts and sue the parents for any medical costs. 
So thank you for those texts. It was an horrific call yesterday, I have to say. Lots in communions then. Um, particularly interesting one here. We had confirmation on Monday. Absolutely no issue. Everyone did what they were supposed to do. We had a bouncy castle at home with no party and the day was lovely. These are just excuses. It's a complete joke. Pubs are open, matches with huge attendances and kids can't get communion and confirmations. I'd love to know how many were confirmed actually within the group that you were in. I imagine it was probably small numbers. But it is an absolute disgrace. Some restrictions were lifted for a wedding for 100 people, but a handful of kids can't make the communion. The rest of the world must be laughing at the paddies. First, during COVID, we had all the laughter of not catching COVID if you eat a nine euro meal. Now you need a cert. But yet I'm served by someone not fully vaccinated. You can have a hundred for a wedding sitting down having a three course meal. But yet a few kids can't make their communion for a mass that takes no more than 30 minutes. Who makes up these rules? Thank you for all of those. Just a couple of observations and then I'll go back to phone calls in a few minutes time. Does anybody recall earlier in the week a caller on air who was talking about the ingredients in COVID-19 vaccines? And at the time was saying that um, the COVID vaccines had the fetal cells of aborted babies as part of the ingredients. Uh, I promised that I would go and fact check that and I did. I didn't get an opportunity to come back to it yesterday. But it is a claim that's been shared very much in the past about various vaccines. And I fact checked it uh, with Reuters. Actually, I think I did two fact checks. I also fact checked it as well um, with um, a medical website. Um, And there was talk about the Johnson & Johnson vaccine containing aborted fetal DNA. Uh, Reuters said that 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 claim is false. But what's interesting about it is that while they say it's false, the vaccine does use lab replicated fetal cells during the production of the vaccine. Um, Johnson & Johnson, that is. Um, But while it doesn't contain aborted fetal DNA, the fetal cell line that it does use are from decades-old fetal cells. So they take the decades-old fetal cells and the cells are replicated in a laboratory setting. Um, So, But the original fetal cell would have been from... Um, originally an actual fetal cell derived from abortions um, from back in the day. Now, they were saying in Science magazine that cells derived from abortions were used um, since the 1960s to develop vaccines like things like chickenpox, hepatitis A, shingles and rubella, as well as drugs for cystic fibrosis, hemophilia and rheumatoid arthritis. Um, So, you know, you have it's a very grey area, actually. You know, because the fetal cell that would originally have been used was replicated in the lab. I hope that makes sense. But it was very interesting because in December the Vatican said that in the absence of vaccines made from other sources, the Vatican said it was morally acceptable to receive COVID nineteen vaccines that were developed using cell lines from abetted aborted fetuses. So the cell line is a replication of the original fetal cell. Does that does that make sense? I hope it does. Um, what they're saying is that the cell line would have had their origins in abortions carried out in the past. Uh, so I hope that that clears that one up. Um, I suppose there was an element, there was an element of truth and accuracy in what she was saying, but not 100%. It's very sad, actually, to see. Did you see that story of the BBC radio presenter who died due to complications from the AstraZeneca vaccine? This is very worrying because um, this is a coroner's report. It's not one of those 
fake stories that's doing the rounds online. This is Lisa Shaw. She died in May, uh, three weeks after she had her first dose of the AstraZeneca vaccine. She was 100% fit and healthy girl, 44 years old. She started to complain of headaches a few days after her vaccination and she went to the A&E and she was diagnosed with a blood clot. Uh, And despite treatments, including cutting away part of her skull to relieve the pressure, nothing further could be done. And she died on the 21st of May. Uh, And yesterday at the uh, coroner's office, they had the coroner's report and it was said that she died due to complications of the AstraZeneca COVID-19 vaccine. And then just one final point on this, because we were discussing it earlier in the week with regards to the Janssen vaccine. That's being paused now in many countries, the United States of America, South Africa, and countries within the European Union either have or are or will temporarily stop the rollout of the Johnson & Johnson vaccine because of reports of rare blood clotting. Uh, We had heard in the past of problems with regards to AstraZeneca. So now there are also issues with the Johnson & Johnson vaccine being paused or stopped in many countries. Okay, so we're up to date on all of the fact-checking clarifications. Happy to do that. Calls on the way. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 1850-104-106. Red FM. And to the phone lines we go on 1850-104-106. Keith, good morning. Hey, how was time? I'm good, my man. You've had many claim to fames, but here's yet another one. What happened? You were down the Neptune Stadium. I was down in Neptune Stadium. You week off to go play me, and I went up singing with him. How long ago was that? What? Really? I was up singing with him. Red, red wine. Did you jump up on the stage and invade them or something? I knew you were going to ask that. I did. You were uninvited. Well, I was uninvited, but you didn't stop me when I started singing. As a matter of fact, I was talking to him afterwards, <laughs> and they said I was 9 out of 10. I was fairly good. Well, they just didn't want to embarrass you or insult you, I suppose. That's why they gave you 9 out of 10. You were more likely to have been a 2 out of 10. <laughs> I know, and it Red, red, wine. That's not a 2 out of 10. It is actually, yeah. Yeah, it I is. Yeah, it's like, I'd and say you were. I'm going to, before you move on, you, you jumped up on the stage. Grabbed a mic and no security or bouncer dragged you off. The security came up. A young lad, he was in his 20s. And it was a delayed song, Neil. Do you know what I mean? So that's why he said, I do it. And the young lad held me by the hand and he said, I'll have to throw you out. No, I still have to throw you. He was showing off up in there. <laughs> I'd say you were a full up. I'd say you were full up with the red, red wine, were you? Huh? I'd say you were full up with the red, red wine. <laughs> oh, just me, like, pulled up on him. Like, and he went out to tea. <laughs> Pat Kenny was on the Late Late Show with me. Who? Pat Kenny. Was on the Late Late Show with you? Yeah. <laughs> he was. That's a good few years ago now. He went there at all that time. What were you doing on the Late Late? I was on the Late Late Show there. We were doing the back to school thing. Oh, I thought I thought you might have been telling them the story about the 68 grand that landed in your bank account. And 13 cents. <laughs> 13 cents. <laughs> I'd say you had a lot of red, red wine with the 68 grand. It was all very well until... It was all very well until the bank came looking for it back. <laughs> Don't talk about them, Lee. Don't even remind me of the Lee. Thanks for the God to the God I gave it to charity. <laughs> <laughs> but Neil, yeah. he was asking me uh, up on the Lane Air Show, Pakeni. He said, Keith, what did you do now? He said, when you were doing uh, exams in school or whatever. 
I said, I come home and I, and I, I showed the mother the results and I'd have a couple of E's. And the mother said, what's that, Keith? That's excellent, man. <laughs> and I'd have a couple of beds. And what's that, Keith? That's fantastic, man. <laughs> <laughs> Did she believe you? Did she believe you? Today, wouldn't have a clue. She thought I was going to be a professor or a doctor or something. <laughs> was there any B's or C's, no? No, no. It was all kind of E's in it. <laughs> and then there was a couple of B's. And the D's meant done brilliant. What was the D? The D was done brilliant. <laughs> I want passwords here before I go. The D was probably doubt you. Go on, yeah. Hey, <laughs> right. uh, you wanted to go camping during the week. Yeah. Right. But the time they arrived, the race horse, you know. Did you have a race horse, you did? I did. I remember the boom time, so everybody had a race horse that time, eh? Probably bought it out of the 68,013 cent. No, I got that after one as well. So we were all loaded the time of the boom. Right, we were all buying horses and buying horses and greyhounds. Did you buy the whole horse or did you just buy the hind legs of it, the back arse of it? Do you have the whole horse? I, myself and the, the cousin, we had a hair share on them. Okay. Each. All right, We wanted the horse between the two of us. But the horse ran anyway, three mile race, and we all went down to see him. And he didn't run two. He had to be pulled up, right? <laughs> so the cousin said to me, what the most the asteroids? He was there squeaking by the cousin, and he rang me. Cheat! I said, what's wrong with you, Connie? How would you know it was me? You know what he's doing, you know? <laughs> but he was just told to get the horse back. And he rang me back and said, Keith, he tried to give me the wrong horse. I said, Connie, he tried to give me the wrong horse. The horse is not. And he died as well as he Hang on, no, no, I can't understand you. Just move the mouthpiece away. He said, Keith, what? He said, Keith, he's giving us the wrong horse. I said, Connie, he can't give us the wrong horse. The horse is no mud. So he took the horse away to the vet. And then the horse cancer. The horse had to be put down. You bought a racehorse that had cancer. He got cancer. Oh, seriously. And it's like Connie says, Can I go up to the trail? Oh, no, I want to say to him. Was he in the grass? It's smoking it. <laughs> <laughs> so the poor horse had to be put. To, the, the horse didn't come with the, with the warranty, you know? I went weird and didn't show up. So I didn't but only just covered out much. They were crazy. Was this during the Celtic Tiger? Oh, yeah. That's what I mean. They were crazy days, weren't they? I sure they were. They were the best days of me life, I'll be honest with you, of the 10 years old that we had. No, we lost everything. <laughs> but I didn't care, I travelled the whole world. <laughs> I was going up the steps to the play Monday night and the pilot popped his head out and he said to me, Keith, you're more flying over than me, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, my man. Have a great weekend. Great to catch up. Look after yourself. He's the greatest, Keith. Well done. There's always a lot of stories in Keith. I love it. Anyway, text 0868104106. Let's get stuck in here. We got Phil. We got Jack. We got Maria. Just a quick cause. John, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? I'm well, thank you. So, up above in North Cork, is that where you're from? Yes, I'm out in Dunamore and. Um about 15 years ago, I was driving home with the wife in the car. Yeah. And we were going through Grenada, we'll say, the back road. Yeah. And no one no, around, no ranting. And we just passed this fella. And I said to my wife, Louise, I said, we're after passing Paul McGrath there. And she said, what do you mean? I said, that's Paul McGrath behind us. She said, no way. I said, I'm telling you this. She said, no. 
So I said, Grant, I stopped the car anyway and I reversed it. I got out, walked over, introduced myself and it was the man himself, Paul McGrath. Clearly you're a fan, yeah? Oh, big fan, sure. I mean, you know yourself, like, ooh, ah, Paul McGrath and Italian 19, the whole lot. And we were talking away to him and I tell you, you know, Neil, he was polite, he was easy going down to earth. He's all that people said he was. Very and gentle, shy man, I'm told. Very gentle and shy. And do you know no like he'd no airs and graces about him whatsoever. And he says to us then, he goes, Lads, did you get the scores at all? This was about five o'clock of a Saturday evening. So we actually just got him on the radio and we were telling him about the scores then and I was telling him then I saw you playing back in nineteen ninety three when Liverpool were playing Villa. And you know what he said then to me, Neil? He yeah. goes, after I was coming towards the end of my career then, he was so humble. Yeah. I said, Paul, I said, you were still fabulous. And we shook his hand, we were talking for a few minutes, we got back into the car, and that wasn't the end of it. Because on Monday, my wife rang me, you know, the following Monday, and she walks in the CWH and she said to me, you never guessed who I, who I met, who I bumped into. I said, who? She goes, Paul McGrath again. And she said, he remembered me from Saturday. Ah, oh, that's lovely. And He's just a lovely like, guy. A lovely, lovely and man. You know how he's very quiet and very shy, right? But he wouldn't he yeah. wouldn't have been that way on the... He played he played at the back, didn't he? He did. Yeah. And as you said, like, he was... Like, when he got onto the field, he was a different man completely. You know what I mean? It was all about, you know, defending and his dominance. And he played some games there for Ireland. And I don't think anyone played better. But off the field, he, as you said, there he was shy. And, and you know the ooh-ah Paul McGrath and, the, and the, yes. the adulation of him. Did all that come from his performance at Italia 90, was it? I think it did, really. Because when they came back on the, the homecoming, like the, the thousands and thousands of fans were just chanting that the whole time. And like Paul was embarrassed, you could see it. You know, that, that was... That was the kind of man he was, and that's the kind of man we were told he was. And after meeting him, everything that was said about him was true. And didn't and wasn't it also changed. said that wasn't it also said that Jack Charlton uh, looked after him, understood him, um, stuck with him, and there were times when he possibly shouldn't have been making the team, and Charlton stuck by him. Definitely, and that's what made him into the player he was. Because I think at United. It didn't kind of go that way. They didn't understand him. But as you said there with Jack Charlton, it was totally different. He knew, you see, Neil, that he had a genius. Yeah. And that's the only way you could describe Paul McGrath, an utter genius. Yeah, yeah. Him and Roy Keane, I think, would be the two top players that ever played for Ireland. And like when you, when you have someone of that calibre, you have to mind them and look after them. And that's what Jack Charlton did. And that's, that's how he was so successful. Because and is there any way now? I'm just I'm just curious because of recent performances and what have you. Uh, no disrespect, but we're not doing well. But can that can we have those days back ever again? Do you think? Being realistic, it'd be very difficult, Neil, because um, it was different times. It was talked years ago. You used to I call mean, it the grandparent, the grandmother's rule, or something, wasn't it? But it was, it was, and they were they were able to get players in a lot easier. But no, it's. It's so it's so it's so different. But as we're on about soccer, can I just say can I just say one thing there? Because as you're on about emerging talent, 
Uh, could I say congratulations to my son, Dean Morgan, Rockmount. They won the under-13s final in Turner's Cross yesterday. Well done, Dean, final. and everybody in the under-13s in Rockmount. Isn't that where Keno started, wasn't it, Rockmount? That's, that's exactly where Keno started. And my son there now, he's at Rockmount about six or seven years. So it was an amazing final. They won 3-1 against Carrick yesterday. And a great performance by all the lads and Joran Owen, the managers. So, like you say, look, the talent is there. It's just, it's just getting it through, Neil. That's what it is. All right, my man. Lovely story. Thanks for sharing that. You told it very well, John. Fair play. Thank you. All the best. Thanks again. Cheers. Neil. Take care. Right okay, on. let's blast ahead. Frank. Good morning, dear. How are you? Well, I'd be darned. You were in the. Were you? Were you working in the Imperial at the time that this happened? Or, or I what? was. I was only. I was only a kid. This is over sixty years ago now. You know. Okay. And uh, it was the first job that I ever had. What you do there? What I, was your job? I was a page boy. A page boy. You and was that my, like you ran around doing messages and jobs and errands and stuff? Was it? That, that's right. And, and doing the lift and stuff like that. You know. Oh, uh, there was a lift attendant. The lift. Was there a full-time attendant that's, inside in the lift? That's right. Yes, 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 yeah. Wow. And um, when I, I remember we were there one day and Princess Grace of Monaco and Prince Reina arrived. And they were there for a week. And uh, I used to bring her up and down, the two of them up and down the lift every maybe three or four times a day. Now, he was a very austere man. He wouldn't even look at you, you know. Yeah. But... Um, she was a real yank. She wanted to know everything about your family and how many kids were there and all this, you know. And I remember at the end of the, the week, um, she was going away and she gave me an envelope. And she says, now, Frank, you must bring that home to your mother. You're joking so, me. To, to put all this in context, my wages that time were one pound four shillings and threepence a week, right, <laughs> for 40 hours, right? <laughs> in the lift. But the minute... The minute she was out the door, I had the envelope open, of course, and there was a £10 note inside it. No? Ten, nearly 10 weeks' wages. Absolutely, yes, yeah. And like, to equate that to a man's wages at the time, my father was in England at the time, and he would send uh, a fiver a week home. So oh, that was my God. Massive money, you know? Okay. Okay, so let's stay with the envelope and I'll come back to other bits of the story. Did you bring it home to your ma'am? Oh, absolutely. Jesus God, yes. Um, I finished work at 2 o'clock and uh, cycled all the way to Farnley, holding onto the tenor in my pocket and driving with one hand. And I remember going in and the mother says to me, how did you do this morning? Because we'll share share any tips I got, you know. Yeah. And I took out the tenor and I said, there you are, ma'am, you know. And she looked at the tenor and she gave me a bothering box across the back of the head. What? <laughs> Why? In, in the name of God Almighty. She didn't say God Almighty, she said something else. She said, where in the name of God Almighty did you get that, you know? Because that was a lot of money, like, Talk you know. It down, yeah. And, of course, I started crying, you know. <laughs> And I said, Grace <laughs> Kelly gave it to me. You know? <laughs> so she looked at me and she put her arms around me and she said, I'm sorry for giving you a wallet, Frank, but you probably deserved it anyway. <laughs> for something else, yeah, yeah. That's one. That's a wallop in the bank for the next time. <laughs> did she give you anything back from the tenor? You know, no, I don't think I did. No, maybe I might have got a half a crown, like, you know, but... 
I certainly didn't get a fiver anywhere. May Unbelievable. Yeah. Un yeah. How old yeah. were you? I, you know, I was just trying to think there was 14, 15 or 16. I can't remember now, you know. But uh, because it's 60 odd years. Do you think ago, that, you know? like, if she gave, she must have really stuck, struck up a liking for you because if she gave you a tenner, was she, did she tip anyone else in the Imperial? Oh, God, yes. Yeah, they, all, the, the head porter would have been looked after. The head waiter would have been looked after, you know. Everybody would have been looked after. You know? They were absolutely yeah. minted and him the boss of an entire country, like. And oh, her yeah. a famous like, actress. Like, he wouldn't even look at you. Like, you know, like he was really royalty, you know. Yeah. Um, Not approachable, whereas she was the complete opposite. Oh, she was the complete opposite. She was, yes, yes, yes. And she's, like, but with I, a name like Grace Kelly, she clearly has Irish ancestry, doesn't she? Oh, God, yes, indeed, yes, yeah. But she was a lovely person. She was, yeah, you know. Wow, but, what uh, an amazing yeah, story. That, but was it like... Like you didn't spend the whole forty hours going up and down in a lift day in day out, did oh, you? Oh God, no, 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 God, no. Yeah, the fires, the fires had to be lit in the mornings, and uh, there was a half a dozen fires that had to be lit. And uh, you were doing the messages then, and you were bringing bags upstairs for guests and stuff like that, you know. Yeah, bellhop oh, and concierge a, work, yeah, and and right. did you did and you then, stay in the did you stay in the Imperial long? I was there for. Three, three years, I think. Yes, yeah, three yeah. years. I went to England then. I went to England then. But, um, yeah, they were, they were good times. I met an awful lot of people there, you know. Lovely story. Yeah, Great story. Yeah. Well done, well done. Amazing yeah, stories yeah. over the past couple of days. Mind-blowing stories. Thanks, Frank. Loved it all day long. Okay. Thank you so much. I... I I, I enjoy Keith there. <laughs> He's, He's always got a tale or two, doesn't he? Yeah. And they say there's a lot more to come. The next instalment of Keith. Call, okay. Cheers, my man. Take care, yourself. Thank you for the call. Lovely story. Bye. Thanks, Frank. I uh, met Donald Trump in New York years ago, going into Pennsylvania Hotel. Morning, I got flown to Zurich to meet Roger Federer in the Lint factory about seven years ago. I put him on the phone to my mother back home in Mogili, and she asked him what shampoo he used. <laughs> because... His hair was always gorgeous and he never seemed to sweat. <laughs> did she did he tell her what kind of shampoo he uses better? Met Keith Duffy at a great at David Gray concert in Killarney a few years ago. I got a bit lost going back to my seat after the loo and I bumped into him. I said, Oh, you're the fella from Coronation Street. He laughed and said, Yeah. I was in a band too, you know. I was Morto. He escorted me back to my seat. My fellow was looking at me as if to say, Oh my God, what's she doing now? Says Margot. Uh, my late mom's claim to fame is that she served Fred Astaire uh, when he stayed in Marino Point French's house. She worked there, says Frick. Morning, Frick. Actually, Frick, well done. I saw you and your brother, Wacker, in the Christy Moore documentary, yourself and Wacker and Christy and John Spillane, uh, when uh, Christy did that tribute to your grandfather, I think, um, when he was, you know, the song was written about, uh, John Spillane wrote a song about uh, Frick's grandfather who was shot by the bailiffs 100 years ago. Well done, Frick. Great show and your performance in it. Well done. Met Michal Martin and his camera crew in Formoy during the 2008 recession. He and his crew swarmed around me asking for votes. I said, no problem if you pay for my messages. Needless to say, they didn't. Off they scattered. The cashier nearly fell off the chair at the time, says Elish. You'd think that they would have paid for your messages if there was a few votes in it. Met Vince Vaughan in a coffee shop in Sydney. A star, a star truck, starstruck kicked in. The only thing I could think of was crash. Any weddings lately? 
2008 was doing an alarm in the Munster rugby shop on the Tremor Road. I was up the ladder when a man walked in. The secretary just popped out. Being a soccer man, I wasn't aware who this gent was, but I kindly asked, did you watch the game at the weekend? Munster had won the Heineken Cup. He smirked as the secretary just walked back in. He said, I did. As he left, the secretary asked me, did you just ask him, did he watch the match? And I said, yeah, why? And she said, did you not know that was Declan Kennedy, Declan Kidney, the effing manager of the team? <laughs> you can be sure that Declan was watching the Munster match. Of that, you can be sure. Anyway, lines open one eight fifty one zero four one zero six. Back after these. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. Oh eight six eight one zero four one zero six. Red FM. And by ta- but this is lovely email. This night, this might not be right up there with meeting Roy Keane or Maury and O'Hara. Well, it certainly isn't. But it was a starstruck moment for me. In 2017, my parents, brother and sister went to Spain to do the Camino to celebrate my mother's 70th birthday. On our final day, we met Neil and his lovely wife in a bar at a hotel in Santiago de Compostela. Compostela, I should say. They were lovely, chatted loads to us. (laughs) And he paid for our drinks. I remember that, actually. It was lovely meeting you, Clara, and all your family. I think you also sent us a photograph of that meeting back in the day. Happy days uh, on the Camino. It was just great fun. Do you ever do something like that and say, I'm going to do this every year? And then you never do. And you wonder some years later as to why you didn't keep that promise. Yeah, It's weird, isn't it? These things, I'm definitely going back there. Definitely going back there, that kind of stuff. Anyway, enough of me and my rambling. Frank, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Nice to hear from you. Now, the, the Ivy Leary, am I pronouncing it right? That's right. Okay, where was that? Uh, it was on Corbrook Street, just before the junction with say, of Patrick's Hill and Bridge Street. Corbrook Street? What's there now? Uh, I think there's an off-license. The Ivy Leary? Is that at the bottom of Patrick's Hill? Well, if you were at the bottom of Patrick's Hill and turn back down right, if you're walking, obviously, to yeah. just, just, just below the corner. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, as if you're walking towards the hotel. Uh, yeah, just about the, the old... Uh, the Hilton, as we used to call it. Correct. Was that an early house, it was? It was. It was one of only, I think it was three in Cork. There was that. There was the Welcome in Panel Place. And there was one down by the docks, the Port Bar, I think. Okay. Was there not a couple down um, by the lobby, no? Was the Phoenix not an early house? Um, you could be right there. Yeah, I'm no, not just sure. There was one down there, all right, but I'm not sure which one it was, yeah. Okay, let's get a list of early house pubs, lads. Text 0868104106. Would you believe that I was in the Welcome Inn at the start of the week? Oh, oh, really? Are they reopened, yeah? Yeah, they're open and people are having a couple of pints inside and there was a lot of people sitting outside having a couple of drinks. A lovely sunny day. Met the staff in there, lovely people. I was dropping in. I promised that I'd put a hundred euro behind the bar, so just let people know I did put the hundred euro behind the bar. Is it still there? <laughs> well, I think that was Monday or Tuesday. It could be well gone. But <laughs> you can tr- be my guest, Frank. Go in and find out. <laughs> Actually, I remember the barman's name No, in my day. A fellow by the name of Dan I think he was from West Cork was such a lovely there's, a, man, there's like. a lovely feeling in the welcome in it's oh there is a very, very cosy feeling in there isn't there? there there is and I remember back in the day it has been the, the, the 80s and if you were in there at 7 you had to leave by half 10 so that the daytime regulars could come in 
Were you doing shift work or something at the time? Oh, yeah, baby, I used to do mainly nights, yeah. There was another one. I used to do shift work years and years ago out in Tops and Ballincollig when I left school first, right? Chewing gum, yeah. Yeah, and we would finish at uh, maybe six or seven, I'm not quite sure which. But we, when we'd come in then, because for us it was night time, it was like seven o'clock in the morning. That's we right. used to go to the Oval. Well, that was so Main Street. I think it was an early pub. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Soap Main Street, that was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Ziggy's, isn't it? Ziggy's now. I'm, I'm open to correction on that, lads, but I, I think that's where we used to go. Right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and then we used to go over for a fry-up to the Lee Cinema. You remember the Lee Cinema had a little, um, kind yeah, of a... little cafe place, A yeah. little cafe bar with an open plate, a hot plate, and they would do the sausages, the rashers, and the eggs and everything up on the big hot plate. That's we, right, yeah, and you had Cudmores across the road. Then spot to get on, you're spot on. Anyway, listen, tell me about your story. Well, went back again, back in the 80s, we finished finished our night shift, as you said. No, it was maybe half six, seven o'clock into the Ivy area. We went anyway for a few points because it was the end of our, our week, like probably a Friday morning or whatever. In walks this dirty, ugly fecker. <laughs> uh, be kind. <laughs> <laughs> but he was uh, with uh, the most beautiful blonde woman you ever saw on his arm. It was Shane McGowan. Dishevelled, I think, would be a better way to, to yeah, describe yeah. his appearance. Yeah, yeah Shane McGowan. Shane McGowan, and I mean, all we were shot was every dentist in Cork to come in, like. But he, uh, 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 he, he sat down, and we all there was four or five of us, and so we all got chatting, and we all knew him. Obviously, he's he was fairly famous at the time in the eighties. Fairly famous. That was around the time of Fairy Tale in New York. Very it, famous, yeah. It, it was, and we got chatting about music, and I think I went in, I had about five pounds in my pocket. And I think I fell or came out of the place at maybe three or four in the afternoon, and I still had five pounds in my pocket. How come? Who was paying for your porter? McGowan. Did he stay that long in the pub? For, yeah, for the whole bar. There was nobody in the bar put their hand in their pocket. And the claim wow. to fa- the claim to fame is that I got the duet fairy tale with him. You duet? You did a duet with him? Yeah, fairy tale. I, we were talking about music, and I, I was in music all my life. Played the band since I was ten years of age, and we sang it together. At at some stage during the day, somebody must have produced a guitar, did they? Oh, there was a guitar behind the bar at all times. So the guitar was taken out, and you had a session. Yeah, I, I was the guitar player and we had a session and myself and Shane McGowan sang Fairy Tale New York. You know something? If that was something that happened around now with mobile phones... Be, to be all over Facebook, I suppose. And also, the pub would have been absolutely rammed. Oh, yeah, without a doubt, within five minutes, like... But, Wait, uh, and did you, did, you, did you give a good version of Fairy Tale in New York with them? Um, it was probably better than the original. <laughs> <laughs> you know, more than likely, I'd say, I'd say like, but we never got to record it. Uh, what an, an absolute gentleman he is. Just having the chats and singing the songs. Oh, yeah, I mean, just totally don't work. Uh, he was well. He was well capable of drinking all day, of course, but well, unfortunately... Put it, put, it, put, it, put it this way, he probably drank five or six times more than any of us did and was probably five or six times more sober. Isn't that bizarre, isn't it? That's sad. You know, That's it, sad, though. It's very sad. It's very sad. But then again, 
I mean, how, how sad is it? I mean, he's still at a great life. He's still, he he's still alive, yeah. But tell me this, so was he gigging in Cork then, I wonder? Was there a gig, perhaps, with the Pogues, maybe, or something? Um, I'm not sure that I, that would be quite honest, Neil. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe he was just here for a few days or whatever. Who knows? But, who, who knows but, who walks he, amongst I, us? I know, he spent an awful lot of time in Cork. Did he? He did, yeah, I believe, um, in, in the city. He was one of these stars who had a place in West Cork or anything. I know he used to stay in Cork an awful lot. Maybe just to get away from things or whatever, you know. Yeah, yeah. Great story, though. But, Great ah, story. yeah. You know, they're good memories. And paid for the bars the whole day? Pa- paid for everything for uh, the whole day. Well done. When, when I say everything, you know, we might have drank maybe five, six points each. And at the time, it was probably, what, two pounds? Ah, yeah, but one. it was the fact that he did it, though, you know. Oh yeah, I I think what he did is something like you were saying you did, and welcome. I think he just put it behind the bar. Uh, when I ran out, I ran out. You know. Yeah. No, I was only doing that because there was a bunch of lads who were very lonely through lockdown, hadn't met their mates and stuff like that, and ah, yeah, they were planning on the first opportunity to all meet up in the in the welcome. So that was a nice story, I thought. I love the lovely thing for you to do. Though. Frank, you're the greatest. Great story. Take care, Take care my man. Thanks. Great stories this morning. All of this started actually from well, two different things. One was the Jonathan Rees Myers meeting at the. At the train and then of course uh, before that was was I guess it had to go back to originally uh, Mission Impossible in um, I think it was Birmingham that Tom Cruise spent the night in the Indian restaurant and then we asked questions like who's the most famous person you ever met and here we are text 0868104106 on that one to line two so Jack standing by Aaron and Maria Debbie but first up Tim good morning morning how are you now years back you were in a schoolboy band I was near, yeah. Yeah. I was a singer. How many were in the band? Uh, I think there were six of us, yeah. There were six in the band. There was a keyboard player, drummer, guitar player, bass player, rhythm guitar player, and myself a singer. And the band was called Sons of Mr. Green Jeans. That's right, uh, after a Frank Zappa song. I was going to ask you. Okay. And <laughs> and who, well, who else was in the band that we might recognise? Yeah. Well, there was a band, another schoolboy band, knocking on Cork uh, around that time. I was called Sarah Days, and um, uh, a chap called Killian Murphy was the singer and songwriter in in that band. And that band broke up, and I I just happened to bump in. I, I must have been about seventeen at the time, and I, I bumped into Killian Murphy, uh, the actor. In in, in well, he wasn't the actor back then. He was just Killian back then. But um, I bumped into him and asked him, "Did he want to start a band?" And we started a band. Uh, called the Sons of Mr. Green Jeans and we I think it lasted about three years I, I lasted about two years in the band and uh, I think they carried on without me for another year and then Killian's career broke essentially into acting Did he Did he sing or did he play an instrument or what? We wrote songs together uh, he played rhythm guitar and, um, and we sang we wrote the songs uh, as we come up with like the verses and choruses of the songs and um, then the rest of the band would come up with their ideas. So our songs were, were uh, the category of music, I think, was, well, it was acid jazz music that we were playing. It was very jazz, jazz-orientated. Acid jazz uh, is a new one on me. Do you have any audio of it? Um, I think if, I think there's audio, either, I'm assuming, I don't have any audio. I, I assume the other band mates do have uh, audios because we used to play Connelly's event. We used to get rent the bus and uh, you, actually, I think at one point we had two buses, two uh, 
what will it be called, like 53 seaters heading down to Connolly's elect, supporting us, you know. And, and, they, so, what, and what, what decade are we talking about, Tim? Uh, 90s? Uh, early 90s. So let me say, I'd say about 94, 95, around that time, 96. Okay, all right. And, and so, like, uh, we, we made good, we made waves, you know, because um, uh, about a year into the band, um, we, got, we ended up getting a manager. Just move around a uh, tiny bit there, see if I can get a clearer so, line, yeah. Yeah, uh, we, we ended up getting a, a manager, uh, a chap from Dublin called Robert Stevenson, and he brought over another man from London to, to showcase us, and his name was Eddie Pillar. Uh, Eddie Pillar was the guy who uh, signed Jamiroquai. Go away. And Jamiroquai, Jamiroquai was on the Acid Jazz label, recorded his first album on the Acid Jazz label. He's an R&R man signed him and could have signed you. Didn't didn't happen though, no? Uh, well, no. Um, essentially, he was working on doing a development deal with um, Sons of Mr. Green Jeans. Um, they, uh, they, they ejected me from the band. <laughs> the R&R man dropped you. No, the band dropped me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I was a bit wild, Neil. <laughs> oh my I, god! I, I actually was like trying to throw TVs out, out the window in the in the hotel or the the B and B down left. Yeah, you like, see, yeah. you can't be doing that. Like you're not in the Rolling Stones. Oh yeah, but I thought I was, Neil. You know, <laughs> I thought I was. Like, I, this is it. I'm on my way. I can just destroy this little B and B, and essentially. <laughs> For, for being a bit of a, an Ozzy Osbourne, um, they they they, uh, they sacked me. So the rest was history. Wouldn't it be great to hear some audio though of uh, Sons of Mister Green Jeans to hear you and the rest of the lads, and also to hear Killian Murphy? Because I mean, what kind of a, did you go to school with him, or what was it? Uh, no, um, he I didn't go to school with him, but I did. We did one of our first gigs in Prez. He was in Prez, and I was in uh, Douglas Farm. Quiet lad. Uh, so he's a quiet lad, is he? No, he, um, he, he's very mannerly and he was very well brought up, I have to say that. Like, we, we <laughs> <That's it. laughs> comparatively, in a sense, that he was, uh, I, I was a wild man and, and he, he, he had his head screwed on. And did, was he fixated on music or did he think that he was going to pursue a career as a musician or did he want to be no, an actor? I, I think it was a, like, it was, I think it, it was act. He was very big into Whitney and I as a movie, you know. Yeah, and he used to, he used to watch that a lot. Like so, um, the when he went to college, the acting thing just blossomed for him, and uh, he, he he essentially went off and took that as a career path. And the rest is history, as they say. Well, I would say one thing that Acid Jazz did get back to me after I was um, just on my own <laughs> promote myself. Like Acid Jazz did get back to me, and they auditioned me for a band called Motor Earth. Was one of their bands uh, at the time. And um, they had a hiss called Jesse. It was, you know, a hiss across Europe. So they flew me to London for a couple of weeks. But unfortunately, um, Sony came in, brought out Acid Jazz. And the label. Kept, yeah, and kept uh, to get at the Jamiroquai contract and mothballed all your bands on the label. Oh, man, you got sideswiped. So, yeah, you got yeah. cut off beneath, but below I'm still, the knees. I'm, st- I'm still writing songs, Neil, you know. I still write songs and I still perform every now and then. Okay, so where are you? I mean, you're not doing a whole lot over the last 18 months, but any, anything planned? Uh, yeah, I was, uh, I was invited to uh, play at a, uh, at a protest in Dublin there in, 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 next, in September in the Phoenix Park. What are you protesting against? Oh, lockdown and the, uh, 
Listen, um, here's an interesting one for you. Kieran says, I remember the band Sons of Mr. Green Jeans. Well, I was in college then and they were about to be signed to Asajad label in London, just like you said. And I think, says Kieran, they used to play at the Half Moon Club as well. Loved the gigs. Is that right? Cabaret Deluxe, yeah. We used to, we, yeah, I used to play Cabaret Deluxe with them, yeah. Yeah, great stories yeah. listen thanks for sharing yeah. appreciate it Tim no take problem, care yeah. of yourself man right. lovely take chat all the best listen yeah. free food Friday uh, shout outs so we'll have three winners again today four large pizzas with sides to everybody at Cork Flower Studios on Douglas Street because they're amazing to all of the gang at Trevor Tool Hire and Victoria Road NGC Construction working hard in Gary Vaux George O'Regan Europarts and Duke Klein are listening this morning Crowley Engineering the River Lane Barnes Social Club and Blarney Little Island Dental Surgery, uh, Banks Tires and Turners Cross, Eurostyle in Cork, Morning Rebecca and all of the gang, two or three more. Uh, big shout out to everybody working in Spike Island, a very busy summer season coming to an end soon. Mandy Hurley and her son Josh would share with all the family, it's his 26th birthday soon. Um, uh, the the deburring department at Stryker, pizza would be great. Uh, I'll come on myself and sing you a song if that gets us one. <laughs> Depends on the song. Depends on whether you can sing or not. And also Paddy Murray Auctioneers and Bandon. Keep those texts coming for shout-outs for pizza. 0868 uh, We're back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench. Every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM This is the Neil Prenderville Show Free Food Friday courtesy of ourselves on Oak Fire Pizza Real Wood Fire Pizza Douglas, Clonakilty, Bandon, Princess Street and Gillabby Street and uh, we will give you the vouchers we'll have three winners you get four vouchers each large pizzas with size you can pick up the pizzas hot and piping for yourself alright so you're getting pizza at the weekend check out Oak Fire Pizza I love them they're great so more shout outs please keep the text coming to 0868104106 whoever you are and wherever you are I brushed past a poorly disguised Tommy Tiernan just before Easton's on Patrick Street in 2005 he had a zipped up raincoat I said to my mate who's a major fan that's Tommy Tiernan I shouted Tommy he turned around gave a quick glance saw us making our direction towards him and he shot into Easton's knowing we were hot on his trail we followed like two men on a mission to get a quick scribble from the man as we made our way up the escalator he was on his way down the other one perfectly timed he looked over gave a nod and a smile and bolted out the door of Easton's I still laugh at it to this day he was a quick man on his feet says Dave and he's flying now Tommy isn't he absolutely flying I had a few pints with John Senna the wrestler and the actor in Dublin, we were both last to leave the bar. And we had a few pints with Brendan Gleeson and Waxies in Cork. He was heading for a wedding in Vienna Woods at the time. <laughs> Met Mark Williams, the world snooker champion at the time in the Sunset Beach. Met Ben Al Medina. Some say Ben Al Madina. A couple of years ago, he was a gentleman. Bumped into Jonathan Rees Myers in Cork in the early noughties. He's a lovely gent with a heart of gold. My mum met Jonathan Rees Myers through work. Such a respectful man from all accounts. Uh, I won't say much more than that, but he was a beautiful, beautiful man. Uh, never had a bad word to say about him. I'm, per- I'm the person who would walk past a celeb without realising who it was. Many years ago, Jonathan Rees Myers, his mam Geraldine and his brother used to walk uh, to school with a few of us going to the North Mon most mornings. He was in secondary school at the time. Uh, and there's reams of these. I met Brian Dennehy, the Hollywood actor, walking around Wilton. 
was walking around Wilton in the 80s. Um, he rolled his eyes when I stopped him, but I had to carry on asking for the autograph. He huffed and scribbled his name. I wouldn't mind, you know, but I loved him on television. It's an awful shame that when you meet the somebody that somebody that you like or idolize or admire and they're rude. Oh, my God. Uh, and that's the edited version of the Brian Dennehy visit in Wilton, I can tell you. Uh, but up, but up, but up, got here. I met Neil yesterday. Well, it was actually Wednesday in McGurk's Golf. In fact, I sold Neil a tennis racket. Ha ha. I only realized later who it was. So sorry about that. There's absolutely nothing to be sorry about. Great range of rackets and accessories in McGurk's. Got a great racket there. Uh, during the week, a really super one, a head racket, and thank you for that. Thank you. I don't know what your name is, but I know you play tennis in um, in Rushbrook. So fair play to you. Answered all my questions, even the stupid ones. Um, actually, talking about tennis, because I play in Douglas uh, Tennis Club, and Douglas are having an international wood tennis event. This is the old wooden rackets. <laughs> I mean, I think it's a fantastic idea. It's an inaugural international wood tennis uh, tournament, I suppose, that's happening from the 3rd through the 5th of uh, September in Douglas. And it was very interesting because there was a photograph in the Echo during the week of Michal Martin at Douglas Tennis Club with a racket in hand. I don't know, I don't know if he can hit the small ball. I know he can hit a slitter. And I know you can hit a slitter with a hurley, but I imagine he's probably handy at the tennis as well. And he was there for the photos, photo op, as I suppose politicians do. Uh, there's many. I met Russell Crowe in Sydney. We had driven past him minutes beforehand. I shouted out the window. I shouted, Maximus! <laughs> he stood up from where he was sitting and gave us a thumbs up. It was absolutely brilliant, says James. Oh, my God. From Gladiator, Maximus. Great guy, Russell Crowe. Um, after seeing Albert Hammond in the Opera House, I met him the following morning at Cork Airport. We were going on the same flight. Thank God we weren't seated next to each other. You probably would have wrecked his head. The great Albert Hammond. Free electric band. Never rains in Southern California. I'm a train, I'm a train, I'm a chukachuk train. I'm sure there were others besides that, but thank you for those texts. They're terrific. Okay, so what have we got? Phil, Nina, Jack, Aaron, Debbie. First up, Marie. This, can you hear me all right, Marie? I can, yes. Oh, this, this is incredible. Um, you're in California. That's right. Uh, in a shop. That's right, in a shoe shop. And in walks Muhammad Ali. No, I was chatting with the assistant, and in the conversation, she said to me, um, I don't know if you're interested or not, but Muhammad Ali is shocking here today. Would you like to see him? Right. Of course, I said I would. So she didn't come with me, but she directed me to the men's department. I went in. There was nobody else to be seen there. And he was sitting on, you know, these seats that you sit on to fit on shoes. Yeah. And he had what I thought was the biggest shoe I ever saw in my life in his hand. And he was examining it. Like a so 10, is it? Or are they bigger? Can you get, what's the biggest you can get? I don't know what size the man's shoe would be, but this to me looks huge. So I, I walked over anyway and I just said hello. So he put down the shoe and he shook hands to me and asked me where I was from. And I told him he had the most gentle voice. Yeah, he almost whispered, didn't he? When he wasn't performing, yes. uh, you know, you know, he can turn it on the, he can turn on the Muhammad Ali stuff, like, but when he's extra, oh, yes. he's very and quiet. A, and a big smile. So uh, we just, I, I was almost dumbstruck. But anyway, we had a few pleasantries 
And then I said to him, um, would you give me your autograph, please? So he said, yes. Now, I had neither pen or paper, but he had a pen in his top pocket and he took it out. And there was a flyer belonging to the shop. And he took up the flyer and he signed his name and gave it to me. Amazing, isn't it? Oh, he was the mo- honestly now he was a beautiful man. Was he on his own? On his own, there was no. I was wondering after did the assistant go away to get the other shoe or what? But there was no. There was only the two of us. Nobody else. I've, I, I'm, enjoy, I'm a huge fan of Ali. The, the, yeah. Not not oh. not only the boxer, but the man and his wit, the man. and the his man. knowledge, oh. and his fantastic ability to just communicate and to tell stories. Oh. Yeah, but I, I was dumbstruck. Oh, and how long ago was that? I would think it would be 92, 93. Okay, so you've been getting on a bit, like, just a bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But honestly, now he was a beautiful man, and he was so courteous, and, you know, there was no fuss or bother, no problem about giving the autograph. Yeah, yeah. And tell me, were you on holidays there, or what was the story? Yes, I was on holidays. And I was just strolling around the shops and I went into the shoe shop and I was in the, the ladies' department and she was a lovely assistant and we got chatting away and she just said it to me then. So I said, I'd love to see him. But she didn't come with me now, she's just directed well, me. Well, a few went. You plucked up the courage and approached the man and the rest yes. is history. My God, that's an amazing story. No mobile phones then, no selfies, nothing, nothing like that. Nothing Have you still got the autograph? Of course. Of course. Lovely. Big, tall man, I'd say, was he? Well, he was sitting down now, as I say, with, yeah. with his big shoe. And um, uh, I, I'd say he was a big man. Yeah, a very patient man, because not everybody would be all that enamoured with someone. One shoe on, one shoe off, and somebody coming over that they don't know, you know, but very approachable exactly. guy. Yeah. yeah, all very, very beautiful man. I'm amazed with the stories over the past two days. Thank you for your story, Marie. It's gorgeous. Thank you. You're welcome. You're amazing. Welcome. It really is. And uh, there are many more of these, actually. So keep them coming. Text 0868104106 and we'll read out some more of the texts throughout the course of the morning. Um, let me stay with calls, though. Debbie, good morning. Good morning, Neil. I'm not 100% sure how much of this you can actually tell me, um, but let's see how we go with it anyway. Um, okay. Somebody asked you on a date, was it? Yeah, he did. It was a long time ago now. It was a good few years ago. And I was visiting my sister in Sligo. Yeah. And um, I was walking along the path. And this limo basically was driving up the road and stopped to a halt in the middle of the street. Quite dramatic. And Keith Duffy jumped out and he came up to me and he said, he said, you're really gorgeous. And he said, would you like to go on a date with me? <laughs> is, that, is that how you do it? I mean, is, there, like, is, that, is that the way it happens? Dates. Exactly the way it happens, yeah, honestly, yeah. I told the story, like, to my kids and stuff like this, and, like, I didn't take him up on it, because I was actually married at the time, and, and they say, oh, why didn't your mum become... <laughs> oh, for God's sake, married woman. <laughs> and, of course, this was at a time when, when Keith Duffy was married, he was a single man, entitled to ask yeah, people out for dates. Yeah. What did you say? I said, oh, thank you so much, I said, but um, I'm afraid I'm married and I'm, I'm a bit busy as well. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the compliment, nonetheless. <laughs> Yeah, that was it, really. Uh, but you did recognise him and everything. Oh, yeah, I knew who he was. Like, boy zone and stuff at the time. Like, yeah. he hadn't done Coronation Street or anything. Uh, yeah. yeah, big star in boy zone, of course. World yeah. famous at the time. <laughs> so you said, thank you very much. I'm married. Unfortunately, I'm <laughs> married. Was it? 
Was the only time you regretted being married, was it? Exactly. Well, in, in like, I'm, I'm actually separated from him now. But, but <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It's kind of like I wish I had in a way. It'd be something to talk about. Oh my god! I mean? Oh no, yeah. You would have gone down a completely different path in life. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, I know. Yeah. What could have been? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. But anyway, that's that's my uh, my claim to fame. So. It's amazing the people that I'm living with in this city and the people they've met and the stories they have. Thanks, Debbie. Lovely stuff. Okay, thanks, Neil. Earlier on, we had a call with the lovely lady who was working in a tube station in in London at the time in the 1960s and in walked for a pink gin, (laughs) the great Jack Doyle. Let Tommy Tommy Holmes pick up on that uh, topic, as in Jack Doyle. Tommy, good morning. Good morning to you, Niall. Thank you. So you also met the gorgeous Gail, is that right? Uh, I did, oh, when I was a young fella. Um, uh, and colleague, um, I, I, I went to school there, and uh, uh, Jack uh, Doyle uh, visited the, the coursing field. There you, they also have the Cork Cup there, and, and one for Stephen's Day, the Foreign Feather Cup. And that was all held in, the, in Bell and Colleague. In the, in the, you know, in the barracks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Jack Doyle came along. I don't know how he arrived there, but he came up the main street. Uh, and I was a young... I can't remember how young... I'd say I was about seven or eight. But uh, we were running along after him. And he was throwing fists of coppers and, you know, shillings and stuff out, out of his pocket to all of us. And we, we grabbed him, you know. And... Uh, uh, he was a lovely man, uh, you know, and very, uh, he was so imposing, you know, like that we were enthralled at the, so- the size of him, like. And I, I can't remember the suit he's on him, would you believe that? And I'm nearly 90 years of age now, but I, 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 I have a long term memory. And he had uh, what you call that time a torn proof suit. It was a green suit with a black fleck in it. Was it like? Was it stylish? I mean, a green suit yeah. doesn't sound. Yeah, my the house style, yeah. And uh, oh, he was he, he was a, a very imposing man, you know. He was great and, for throwing um, the money around, wasn't he? He yeah, he he, he was thrown. Well, no, he wasn't thrown fivers or or yeah. but he was thrown coppers to us all, like you know. And, yeah, well, uh, when he had the two pink gins in the in the in the pub in the tube station in London. He left a five-pound tip. I met him in, yeah, sorry. I, no, the next time I met him was uh, around in, in the early 50s, uh, in the Green Man in Leightonstone. I go away. Did you know it? No, I just know that you're talking about meeting him in a pub oh, in yeah, it used to be a singing pub, and we went up there once in the morning because we heard the Jack Doyle just come in there. And unfortunately, he was really... He was really um, down and out that time. Oh, right. What he had on him, no, uh, uh, you mightn't believe this. He came into the bar, we were all waiting to see him, a lot of fellas from, you know, from Cork and Clare, we used to gather, uh, you know, and, and go for a drink on Sunday morning. And when he arrived in into the thing, he had a pair of rubber dollies, you know what rubber dollies are? Yeah, I? yeah, old sneakers, yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. He had a pair of doors on him, no socks, and a, a lady's fur coat. And oh. Ronnie book, you know, it was, it was, only, it was only like a waistcoat, it was, that's what he had on him. Well, are you describing him as looking like down and out? Oh, without a shadow of a doubt, that how, was, you know, oh yes. How'd that make you feel? Oh, I felt awful. 
because at the time when I was a young fellow, when I did see him, he was throwing money around the place. Money was no object to him. And when he came into the pub all those years later, did he have any money? No, no, because he used to it regularly. I didn't know that. But you see, uh, there was a bandstand there. There was no band that time. They used to have music there. But he went up in the bandstand and he sang a couple of songs. <coughs> and that was the... He got drinks from everywhere. All the Irish were squinting there, like, you know? Ah, that's it sad, isn't it? wasn't too far it? from Dagenham, which I walked from Dagenham. It wasn't too far from there, like. And uh, they, all the Irish would go there for, into the Green Man. It was a famous place. And, and uh, that story you're telling now about the Green Man, would that have been the back end, would that have been the early 70s, maybe, or, or what, late 60s? Oh, no, no, it would, it would be, uh, it would be uh, 50s. It would be the 50s, I'd say. You know, but uh, when uh, he was uh, down and out. Oh, oh, sorry, sorry, that was the coarsen thing. No, sorry, the green man. Yeah, th- that would be uh, uh, about, uh, uh, I'd say. Well, he died in 78. 78. Uh, well, this, would, this, was, uh, this would be uh, in the green man. We, I was in, uh, in England in the 50s, 54, I'd say. 54, 54, around that era. Yeah, yeah. Right, yeah. And just, no, I mean, it's, it's, it's of no consequence, the dates, but you're describing two different periods of his life. Uh, one yes. w- when he was boxing and acting and singing yes. uh, in the biggest concert halls in the world, and then you describe him later in life then, uh, down and out, and of course he died alone in a small little flat and I was found, I, was found I, dead I, in I, a I chair. Surrounded. It was very tragic. And there was there was a man here, I won't name him, from Melancholy. He was an old soldier. He was a sergeant in the First World War. And he was, uh, I, well, people would know him, so I won't say he, they're all dead now. And he he was one, he, he had the blind pension. Yeah. He used to make baskets. But he was the best staff player or the best ring player in Melancholy. <laughs> I do I don't know how he did that, but he, he, was, he wasn't really blind. How could you have the blind pension and be the best dart player and ring player? <laughs> he must have said, just point me in the general direction of the board. <laughs> but he knew bloody well. He said, where's the double top? Bang. Straight away. <laughs> but I, 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 I said to Paddy, this man, I said, uh, did you ever remember Jack Doyle when he was boxing? So he said, I did a course. And uh, do you know what he said, Noel? I don't want to be, I don't want to be filthy, no. He said that if Jack Doyle was as good at, at boxing, he said, as he was at another party of his enemy, <laughs> there wouldn't be a man in the world standing in front of him. <laughs> <laughs> and were you working for Fords in Dagenham then? I was. I drove a crane there in Dagenham. But, yeah. The da- so you were a Dagenham Yank? I, 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 <laughs> I remember the Dagenham Yanks, all right. They was come to the Long Valley before with lovely blue suits. Them, oh, they'd blue be home suits. showing off with all the money and all the flash. <laughs> and you know I that day, you know the days then just finally it's like 20 questions but when you were in the pub and Jack Doyle would be there on a Sunday morning singing songs yeah. for, for drink people would buy him drink and would just chat with them and he'd have stories oh, to yes. tell oh god yes they'd come, they'd come to see him like 
You know, I mean, he was even though he was down and out, he was a very famous man that time, especially with the Irish. Huge funeral back in Cork then. Oh, that's right. The, the Shields and the, the, and, and, and the Commodore, they, they, they were part of it. They, they looked after him. We used to play down there with an old band years ago on the Commodore. But um, I tell you, another thing I want to tell you, do you know who was the boss that time in, in, when I worked in Dagnum? I'm not sure. Sir Patrick Hennessy. Sir Patrick Hennessy? How, and yeah, he, who, he lived in Carragorn. Is that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. he was uh, so he was Sir Patrick. Yeah, he was knighted by the Queen. And did you work on the what? what if you were what, what cars were they making in the fifties? Well, well, well I, I worked in the tractor bay. Oh, but making the, four tractors. They, they made the console and all them and the console. Yeah. yeah, and yeah. you know the old Anglers and you know the ones with the spare wheel up in the back. That's the one. That's you the know, one. I remember all them. But uh, it was actually uh, there was different bays, different bays for uh, different you know, models of cars. Base, yeah, right? yeah. Oh, sure, it was massive. I mean, huge amounts massive, of people yeah, went from Cork to London and oh, England to work in Dagenhams. I'll tell you, we got onto the checkers for a point of a Sunday, uh, Friday night. The checkers in Dagenham. There's a famous pub in Dagenham, and you'd meet more cock than you would up up, up, up in the Temple Acre. But how come, like, Aaron Mary Connells, an, an awful lot of people who went over did a lot of drinking, didn't they? And there was a lot of songs attached to it. You know, the crack was uh, the crack was good uh, in Cricklewood. We never left the crown. Not sure, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Were you sending oh, money God. home though? Um, Were you sending money home as well? Oh, I was, yeah. Uh, well, uh, I got married, yeah. My wife went away to be a nurse, you see. Yeah. I was, we went over, she was only 16 and a half, you know. Yeah. And we went off to England because I was driving the crane in, 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 in the, 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 the scheme, you know. Yeah. Uh, building the, the scheme. And um, uh, when it finished, and we did all the danger work there, all the... My, a couple of fellas from Bellancolic and a, a brother of mine, my, my brother. When Dennis, they flooded the valley of the Lee, is it? Yeah, I remember that well. Go away, yeah. Um, yeah, fair play to yeah. your, your your memory. It's in good shape. Fair play. Uh, well, my, my long term memory is very good, but I, I don't remember if I had my breakfast this morning or not. <laughs> don't worry about that, pal. I'm the same as you. I'm the very same as you. Don't worry about it. Tommy, it's lovely chatting with you. Feel free to call again, all right? All right, Noel. Thank you very Great much. Great stories. Great Good stories luck, yeah. of the gorgeous Gale at two different periods of his life. Um, can I just take a break if you don't mind? And my apologies to everybody else. Rory, Aaron, Nina, and Phil. Back after these. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Tweet the show at Neil Red FM. 104 to 106 Red FM. And you can text 0868104106. Rory Noonan joins me, and the others are standing by. My apologies. We'll plow through them. Rory, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How are you? Uh, was th- this, I'm great, thank you. Now, Chief Subeditor with the uh, Evening Echo, um, were you working at the time when you bumped into these very famous people? I, I, I was. As a matter of fact, um, I'm just, before you go on there, I was just a the gentleman there talking about Jack Doyle, the last yeah. that he ran. I don't know whether you remember or not, but there was a famous picture taken in July 1933 of literally hundreds upon hundreds of people waiting on Patrick Street and Academy Street outside the offices of the then Cork Examiner, Examiner, waiting for the result of one of his boxing matches. So the only way they were going to get the result at the time, because it was abroad, obviously, was by waiting for the wire lines to come in. And, the, and someone from the Examiner came out the door and shouted out how he got on in the fight. 
And that's the way people got. Uh, that's the way the yeah. people got urgent or immediate news of sport or exactly, yeah. world events. A famous picture taken, and there's literally hundreds upon hundreds of people's crowd. You wouldn't drive down Patrick Street or Academy Street. There's such a huge crowd there, all waiting for the result of his fight. He was actually taking on a British boxer at the time. Did he win, Peterson? Yeah. No, he was disqualified in the second round for low blows. <laughs> So there was a boo the length and breadth of Academy yeah. Street. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he got disqualified. Re- repeated punching laws. He was disqualified for, unfortunately, in that fight. <laughs> <laughs> Only Conor McGregor can get away with that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Different sport. <laughs> anyway, nice one. It's amazing how the world has changed, isn't it? It's so immediate yeah. now and so fast and everything is at our exactly, fingertips. Yeah, that, back then? That, that would have been a regular for Jack Doyle back then for fights and he was fighting. You know, that people would have crowded around the Academy Street, Patrick Street and wait for the result to come in over the wires and That's people amazing. would be tearing and shouting and delighted then when he won and, and all that thing, you know so yeah different times as you say different times yeah without a doubt so with regards to your good self then um, I see Nelson Mandela on my screen here I see Paul McGrath oh yeah no I was just there was, there was an incident in, in 1990 I remember well and um, there was like it was the Irish soccer team were flying back from Italian 90 and as you know the, the hype around Italian 90 and the, there was hundreds of Thousands of people in Dublin, as you know, the day they came back. But there was a huge crowd up in Dublin Airport, all waiting to greet the team. As they yeah, it was like as if they won the World Cup, wasn't it? Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it was unbelievable scenes in Dublin that time. And um, um, But Nelson Mandela flew into Dublin Airport the same day. And his plane landed not long before the Irish soccer plane landed. So, of course, when, when the plane opened and Mandela was there, he saw this huge crowd thinking that they were all for him. <laughs> actually, the Irish soccer team is what they were there for. You know the mortification of it. <laughs> yeah, but of course he wouldn't. He wouldn't have known. But but as I said, like typical Irish humour at the time, the whole crowd started singing. You know the famous chant, "Ooh, ah, Paul McGrath." But they started singing, "Ooh, ah, Paul McGrath's there." And, and Nelson Mandela, as he got off the scene, you know? I said, "Only, only in Ireland would you have a sense of humour like that." Only in Ireland. <laughs> Ooh, ah, Paul McGrath's there. Ooh. Yeah, so, so the old crowd down at the crowd inside the airport of course he was loving it like you know as he's getting off the plane like. oh I never heard that story before <laughs> that's a great one <laughs> nice one Rory appreciate it yeah, thanks for sharing Aaron good morning hi Neil how are you I'm good you met Tom Selleck <laughs> I did I met Tom Selleck and Neil Patrick Harris so did, I, so did I but nobody believes me what can you do <laughs> <laughs> where did you meet him I met him in Toronto at a bar called Mr K's <laughs> oh very nice they were filming Three Men and a Baby at the time it's been a long time ago it was 88 I think probably 88 yeah. I'd imagine but anyway nice guy nice guy yeah, yeah I, just, I just happened to be in the same circle of people that were standing around drinking but it's my claim to fame back in the day <laughs> but anyways this is not about me uh, what were you doing over there so I was on my J1 uh, we were in Newport in Rhode Island and basically I was working in a what would you call it a, a sports photography art kind of place and working away selling pictures and it was early in the morning in walks uh, Tom Selleck and he was looking in the shop and this is what happened when I was I saw him I recognised him but could not place him I hate that just, don't you hate that <laughs> what year was yeah. that that would have been 2014 I think okay alright yeah and I couldn't place him when like my job is to approach him whatever so I went over Checked if he was our age. And then when I was chatting to him, I was like, I recognise you from TV or something. He goes, oh, do you know? I goes, yeah. I just still, in my head, I could not say who he was. 
and he walked out of the shop and straight away it goes, Richard from Friends. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Magnum P.I. flute. Well, yeah, that too, but... Um, Richard I from Friends. Richard See, from I never, Friends. I've never seen an episode of Friends, but I think he went out as one oh, of the really? characters, didn't he? He was one of the kind of, I wouldn't say main, but he was one of the... He was in a few seasons of it. Amazing how the different generations, you know, associate people with different things. You say friends, I say Magnum P.I. But that, <laughs> yeah. I think he also yeah. did a couple of, uh, did he do some kind of crimey drama things, some American crime drama, as he was a yeah, cop or a boss? a few things, right, nothing too special. Yeah. So, did you run out after him, no? No, it was, I was working, I was doing one in the shop, and it was probably a few, he's probably a few minutes in the row before I actually copped it, but it was, it was wrecking my head. Did he buy anything? No, he didn't. He was just browsing him and his wife or partner or whoever it was. So, so uh, when he came browsing. in, he never said to you who he was, or did he smile, or he just said he what? just kind of smiled at me and grinned as if, <laughs> as if to say, "Yeah, you recognise me, but you haven't got a clue who I am." <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. He knew himself that I didn't, I couldn't place him. Yeah, he just let it go with a smile. I love it. Yeah. And and who in the name of God is Neil Patrick Harris, please? Neil Patrick Harris is Barney in uh, How I Met Your Mother. No, nah. <laughs> that's Greek to oh. me, pal. That's Greek to me. <laughs> oh, if you see him, you'll know him straight away when you see him. He's in Gone Girl as well as the creepy oh, mistress or whatever you want to call him. Okay, he was in, <laughs> is it Dougie or Doogie Hauser? I'm not too sure. How I Met Your Mother. Oh yes, how I met your mother, yeah. And he signed your buddy's forehead, did he? Yeah, so we were we were actually walking through New York, we were waiting for a flight to LA and we saw we walked past the Broadway show, we saw his name up on the boards and one of my buddies was a big fan of him, he's like, Oh brilliant, Neil Patrick Harris but the show I say was only just starting or something. And we went out, we had our few drinks and we were walking back past the show again on our way home as the show had just finished. And we saw a big crowd outside the the Stadium, what everyone called it, the theater, you know, the opera house thingy, yeah, whatever theater, yeah, called theater. it. And um, we saw a big crowd around, so we're like, we are for a few drinks, we were confident. <laughs> so we went over, and everyone was trying to get autographs and autographs. And uh, my friend just shouted from the back of the crowd, "Neil, Neil, sign my face!" <laughs> <laughs> and Neil just laughed at him, pulled him over, and signed his forehead. And he didn't wash it for weeks. He didn't wash it for well, he didn't wash it. We were going on a flight to LA, so we couldn't shower or anything on it for another few hours. And he didn't wash it. He got to, I think we were going to San Diego. Oh man, you crazy people, crazy people. <laughs> I actually have a picture, but I can send on the picture of it. Feel free. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's a good story. Not as good as being Aaron, the man who didn't recognize Tom Selleck. But anyway, that's for another day. Good luck. <laughs> Cheers, my man. Cheers, Take Neil. care. Um, I love chatting with Nina. Nina's a great fan of the show and a great friend as well. And also sent me in the Gabby Cabby the most beautiful Aaron jumpers, which I still have pride of praise place every winter. I think I got a, did I get a matching cap as well, Nina, didn't I? You did indeed, my love. And I still I have it. I still look, it's, the one, it's the only thing about the winter that I look forward to, your Aaron jumper. There you are now. There you are now. Now. My story is yeah. very short and sweet. Yeah, go ahead. I think it was about 69, uh, Georgie Best came over to play with Cox Celtic. My husband was on the team. And because weighed up again. Uh, who was who was your husband? What was his name? John Carl Blondie Carl. He was known as John Carroll, the Celtic yeah, player. Yeah, Blondie. Right. Yeah. Okay. 
Okay. But anyway, they, yeah. okay, they, couldn't cope. they couldn't cope with the crowds in Turner's Cross, so they moved a few of them to Flower Lodge. They couldn't cro- cope with the crowds. They couldn't cope with the crowds coming to the matches in Turner's Cross, so they moved them to Flower Lodge. Fl- was Flower Lodge bigger? Oh, huge! There's no comparison with Flower Lodge and so they moved, Cross. They moved to the. They moved from the Celtic pitch to the Hibs pitch. That's right. That's right. And and we were such enemies at the time. <laughs> it didn't matter. Oh, I remember it as a kid. You were either yeah. Celtic or Hibs. Oh, I was yeah. I was Hibs yeah. as it happens. Don't know why. Oh, no. Maybe it was because it was Celtic, closer to my yeah. home. Yeah, yeah. I know. But anyway, after one match, John came out for me, and I went into the dressing room. So there was a queue a mile long waiting to meet him. So it came to me and John said, this is Nina. And he put out his hand to shake my hand and held on to it. And he said, very pleased to meet you. Did you enjoy the match? I said, I did. You were brilliant. I'm a huge fan. He said, thank you very much. Lovely to meet you. And that was it. How long did he stay with Celtic? um, He came over, I'd say, for six or seven matches. Yeah. Yeah, that was all. Like they were just kind of guest appearances, you know. But I'd say he got huge money. He got big money, all right. But I he don't. Did. I don't think he played well, did he? He was outstanding. Was he? He was. I mean, we hadn't him on the telly at that time, so I mean, he was just a superstar. He was a vision. He was gorgeous. He was a film star. <laughs> and just for oh, the record, yeah. Jeff Hurst also yeah. came over and played for Celtic. He did. He yeah. did. He came after him. Yep. We, I met him as well. Yep. That's yeah. a great story regarding meeting yeah. Georgie Best. But I'd love uh, to know how yeah. you met your husband, though. How did you meet John Blondie Carroll? I, I met him on his 19th birthday. On a Wednesday night down in the Arcadia, the Dinosaur dance and I was on my own my pal had a date so I pictured to go on your own I went on my own and for anyone that don't remember it was just mineral bars so I was saying oh god I need a drink and I was after dancing with a few and I didn't like any of them so anyway I went to go up the stairs and I knew this fella and I knew he was listening to the band the freshman from north of Ireland the freshman big band big band yeah big band yeah huge and he was talking to this fella and I said, hi, I'm going upstairs. So he said, oh, sorry, this is a friend of mine. And he stopped and he said, you're the sports fanatic now, who's he? So I looked and I was playing for time and I said, oh, I probably saw you now in your gear. That's about it. So I looked again and I said, Blondie Carl Cox Celtic. <laughs> yeah. And I said to him, would you like to dance? <laughs> And we went down and Neil, the hints, it's very warm, isn't it? There's loads of people here, isn't it? It's very warm. I couldn't wait. So eventually he said, would you like to drink? So I went up and he had his orange in his uh, glass bottle and the girls, we used to get a straw. So I had my tenor in the straw. Did girls have to have a straw or was it just the thing to do? Oh no, the girls were given a straw. We were given a straw and ordering. I know. And was he was he playing for Celtic at the time? Oh yes, yes, yes. Yeah, he played for them for years. Sure, he was super. He was only nineteen. Yeah. He, well, you know he when he was playing for Celtic, would that have been? Forgive me for asking, but would that have been a yeah. full time wage, a full time oh, job? No, 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 no. That. no. that was only all part time. There was no one full time. The only person that was full time, I think, was uh, um, Carl Davenport. Davenport. I came on the scene and 
you know. He's around Cork a lot. He's a good pal of mine, he Carl is. Davenport. He's he in is. Cork an awful lot. Yeah. I was yeah, just, because I was is, just, yeah. when you were chatting there, I was just Googling the rates of pay back in the day. And the Irish Times article says that Best, when he became a Cork Celtic player, would get yeah. £600 a game. Oh, my God. I didn't know that now, Neil. And at the time, the average industrial wage for a man was £53 a week. And for a woman, this is scandalous. Like the average industrial yeah. wage for a man was fifty-three pounds a week, and for a woman, it was twenty-seven pounds a week. And he was getting six hundred oh. per game, and probably bed and board and flights and everything. Oh my God! But I mean, the city was buzzing at the time. Neil, it was brilliant. It was huge, huge. His first you know, game was a two. Up. His first game was a two-nil defeat against Drogheda, and the Irish Times said at the time that people were underwhelmed by his performance. Well, well, I suppose I've been a fan. I could only see it one way. <laughs> ah, sure, I know, I know. I'm, I'm, know. Like, I'm not, I'm not yeah. taken from your occasion yeah. or the, you know, it was, yes, it was yes. the, the brilliance of having best play on Lee side, yes. all of that. But yes. it was some money, yes. wasn't it? Six hundred a game. Oh my. You can imagine the value of that today, what that would be. Oh, yeah, but they may, they must have made big money on the turnstile. Oh, huge, huge. The place was, the, the, they were swaying, the people that were there. Amazing. They came from everywhere. They Amazing. Did, yeah. Amazing. Nina, you're lovely. Great to talk to you. And lovely to talk to you. Love your show. Cheers. Bye. Stay in touch. Bye, my love. Bye. Take Bye. care, Nina. Bye. You're the loveliest. Thank you, George. Best on Lee's side. Uh, the dab's around a lot, actually. He's, I mean, I haven't seen him in a, because of COVID and all this. It's a couple of years since I, since I hooked up with him, but he's, I hope he's in good form. If he's listening, text me, Cal. Text me or give me a call. I know you're probably shouting. Why don't you text him? Why don't you call him instead? Phil, good morning. Good morning, Neil. started earlier this morning uh, talking about Jumbo Karens, who's out in Fungarola, and he was sitting at the table where the monk was arrested, right, taking photographs. Um, you were there in Fungarola some time back, and tell me that story. It's a good few years ago now, because the person that I was with, that I was living with in Dublin, John, he's dead 22 years now, so it would be probably 25 years ago. And where we would have known about them, but they wouldn't be like they are today, you know, the Kinnahans and the Hutches. Yeah, yeah. And we were waiting to meet two of our friends, and we decided on this pub, and it was in Fungarola. And then John went in to order the drink, and Ski came out, and the next thing, no, the monk didn't bring it out. The waiter brought it out. And said, when John went to pay, he said, no, Jerry's paying for that. So Jerry, that was my the monk Jerry Hutch. Hutch. Yeah. The monk, yeah. yes. <laughs> now, I had met him previously in Bewley's in Dublin with John again. And he was talking and you would know more thing that time. No, as I of what he did for a living, as the fellow says. Yeah. yeah, because he's, you know, his hair is dyed black. He was like a teenager. The nicest chap you could ever meet. Hello, how yeah, are you? Yeah, have a yeah. coffee? Yeah. Have this, have that. And then when John, oh, the drink was brought out, already paid for by Jer. And sure. She calls him Jer. <laughs> and uh, John said to me, there's something going down, Phil. And I said, what do you mean? He said, there's guns and everything under the counter. Are you joking me? Oh, I said, Jesus, Mary and Joseph. And we were waiting for Tone and Vera. And they 
just happened to arrive at that time. And, of course, when John told Vera, who owned the pub, she ran. And I tell you, I ran fairly quickly after her. Little did they, so they knew nothing of what was going on and they owned the place? No, 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 no. But, you see... People, sure, I put myself out there now and I'll be like a leper. People will be avoiding me. But we didn't know the criminal aspects at the time. Of the, so, of the Spanish of coast, the yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, you, you hear about them, but it's nothing to do with your life. So you don't think about it. And sure, I hadn't an idea. Well, that's where, they, that's where they live. That's where they play. That's where they socialize. Yeah. That's where they do their oh, deals and contracts. It is, it is. But when John came out, but you see, he went to school with them. Because the first time I met her was in one of the coffee shops in Bewley's. And we were there just for breakfast. And like that, he introduced me. And, you know, and then when we came back to our own table, he said, do you know who that is? You better not say I anymore. You, no. you might get a message, from, you might get a visit from the special branch before the day is and out. I said, oh, oh, well, poor John did. Because oh, when the cab took over after Veronica Geerden was murdered. Oh, mother of God. And his solicitor was also acting solicitor for one of those. Oh, we, won't, we won't say any more about that, Phil, if you don't mind. Let's just oh, stick God. to the story of the monk buying you. I'd imagine it must have been. Let's just stick to the story of the monk buying you a drink in Fungarola, shall we? Oh, we will. No, honestly, she listened to me. I thought I was great, that I was never a popular person. And I thought, my God. And so the last thing I should do would be, you know, telling people about this. <laughs> but at the time, it was a good idea. Yeah, I lovely story. I not to be worrying about it. <laughs> and then you're talking about Jonathan Reese Myers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I knew him, but only as a child. Four, five, six. Because I was friendly with his mother, Jer. Jer, yeah. And we had a mutual friend, Dennis, and he had a car. So he'd collect me in the summer, beautiful days, and then we'd go up and we'd go up to Jer's place in uh, Blackpool, and herself and Jonathan would go down that usually it was Gary Vaux or Ichidani and we go for and I of course I'd have the picnic I was always grateful for the picnic and so I knew him as a child and I've never met him when he became famous yeah he's a lovely guy very quiet guy I mean he He obviously he's in the news for lots of different reasons but everybody wishes him well you know we wish him the best I know that and his mum Ger Lovely woman. Lovely yeah, I know she used to call this program for, for a long, long time regularly. She was a great contributor. Listen, Phil, I'm going to squeeze in a call after the break, but have a lovely weekend, okay? But, but listen, just need one minute. Anton Dick, I met them in, um, what was it, Kew Bridge, their local pub, and Lena Muscori, I have her. You don't remember her at all, no way. Ah, uh, you're the White Rose of Athens. You weren't expecting that. Yeah, well, I remember. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been a fan, but every time I turned the television on as a kid, there she was and the big glasses on her. Listen, I go, Phil. Good. Look after yourself. God bless. Cheers. Have a great weekend. Back after the break. The Neil Prendival Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 1850-104-106. Okay, just final batch of shout-outs and then we'll do some winners. Alter Thomas in the new offices would love some pizza. So would everybody at Cork Distribution on Little Island. Rathpeak and Fireplaces are listening. Bridgewater Homes in Black Rock. Who else have I got for 
for you. The lads at Custom Engineering in Blackpool, Joe's Edge Salon in Blarney, everybody in the office in Kiri's on the Kinsale Road, John Gray Auto Services in Middleton, My Mortgages on the South Mount. One fast call and then a couple of shout-outs and away we go. But I, I love this one. I wish I had more time to hear this story. Uh, it's a story out of you all originally. Anne, good morning. Good morning. Good morning, Neil. So, this is the, I want to tell you about the time I met Gregory Peck. What, 58, um, 59, maybe? It must have been, yeah. It must have been the, the 50s, yeah. And I, I was cycling along McCurchard Street with a friend and we just saw a group gathering outside the side door of the Metropole and there was a black limo there. So we went down to see what was happening. We didn't realise he was in the, in the thing. He, anyway, he came out and of course we were all fainting and saying, hi, Gregory and all the rest of it. And they hopped into the car and as the car moved off, a young girl in front of me, her coat got caught in the car door and um, I started banging at the glass, you know, oh and got uh, Gregory's attention and he copped out what was happening. The car stopped, he hopped out, made sure that the the girl was okay, her coat was okay and she was okay and he put his arm around my shoulders and he said, thank you, that could have been very nasty. Wow. And I, I nearly fainted. He was the most divine looking man I ever saw in my life. He, was he would tall, have been filming hair. tall, dark haired presence about him. He would have been filming oh, Moby Dick, wouldn't he? Yes, it would have been Moby Dick at the time, yeah. But it's something I'll never forget because he was so nice. But there was another guy with him and I think his name was Leo Gen or Leo Jen or something. And he was involved in the film business as well and he was particularly nasty. He mm-hmm. said, if you get away from the car, these things wouldn't happen. And I started shouting at us. And we said, we didn't come to see you. We came to see Gregory. <laughs> Good for you. Stand up for your rights. Well done. Well done. Well and, done. and they went off. And that was it. But it's something I'll never forget. He was just such a nice, kind man. And then he was also incredibly good looking. He, I mean, was. he was on the screen, but in real life, he was just amazing. I think he was, was he staying in the Metropole, I think? Yeah, it was the side door of the Metropole. Yeah, but he was, sta- but he was staying, they all stayed there. Like, we were earlier on about Grace Kelly and the Metropole because they would have been over at the time for the film festival, which was a yeah, huge, big international event. That. All of the yeah. stars would come yeah. to Cork and they'd stay yeah, in the Metropole. Yeah, I remember that. My father adored Grace Kelly. Adored her. <laughs> yeah. Lovely so story. Gorgeous. Great film, actually, Moby Dick. Really great film. Yeah, it is. It was a great film. All and right. he was lovely. He was a great man. I'm, I don't know if he's alive or dead now. but um, Gregory Peck's dead. Yeah. Dead. Oh, he's dead. Yeah. God yeah. rest him. Yeah. Well, he was lovely. He left his mark in Cork. I can tell you, we were all adored, and all the girls were screaming. At him. He was I the. Love you, Gregory, and everything. He was the George Clooney of his day. Well done, Anne. Thank you he so was, much. Okay. Appreciate it. Morning. Can you say a big hello, please, to Linda Collin, who's going through her last session of chemo today? She's listening to the show right now. Morning, Linda. Have a great weekend. Please wish my dad, Willie Milner, a diehard fan, a very happy birthday. He loves the show. Thanks. If you can get that done, well and good. Free Food Friday winners, Mandy Hurley and her son. Josh would love to share pizza with the family he had his 26th birthday on Wednesday and his girlfriend is 26 weeks pregnant so they have a lot to celebrate pizza for you guys Barry and the lads at Deburring I think that should be is it Deburring or Debugging probably Deburring in Stryker pizza would be great if there's some going I'll come myself and I'll sing a song for you if you give us one of us so I think I might hold you to singing a song on Monday Steve but that's me saying it for you and the guys at Stryker Deburring is the process of removing the small imperfections known as burrs from machine metal products so now I know and also pizza from Oakfire Pizza for Barter's Travel Net Old Market in Bandon congratulations to you guys we'll send on the vouchers and you can redeem them lines will stay open at one 104 you can text 0868 104 have a great weekend enjoy the weather I'll see you Monday 
Thanks for listening to this Red FM podcast. Don't forget to subscribe and check out redextra.ie for more great Red FM content.